Good morning. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Coming up on the program today, we're going to make our trip. <clears throat> What's going on with that? I don't know what that's all about. I thought allergies were gone. I don't care for that at all. Make our bi-weekly trip down to Norfolk. Joey Ortiz, who of course made his MLB debut a little bit earlier this season. Defensive specialist, but whose bat has been excellent this season. Joey Ortiz will join us this morning. Talk to him about getting that taste, and I can only imagine how much that's driven him. He was up for the sweep of the Blue Jays in Toronto, wasn't he? Didn't he play that weekend? He, I believe he did play that right. I believe he did. Remember, I believe that was the weekend where I it struck me like, oh, he really is that good of a defensive player. By the way, how about Jorge Mateo overly celebrating a walk last night? Like, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone as happy about doing anything as Jorge Mateo was about taking a walk. Like, I can do this. It's big for him, man. It is big. He for knows him. Joey Ortiz is knocking on the door. I've thought that for some time. Um, Mateo's been. Not quite as awful the last week or so, but like there's still nothing that suggests that like he's turning it's awful. I mean, that's the reality. I, wait, wait, right, hang on, if I pulled up Jorge Mateo. Well, what, no, yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not combating that statement. Just, what's Jorge just Mateo a, it's just a, hitting? It's, it's sad that that's what's the he, statement. What's, we have to what's make. he hitting in his last 15 or his last two weeks? What do you think? Last um, two weeks. His batting average. Yeah. 200. 217. Oh, okay. 217. Look at this Kill, guy killing it. And by the way, last seven games, all the way up to 238. Wow. Now, as much Him and as, Gunnar Henderson, them in yeah, the same right, sense. Exactly, right. <laughs> Look, um, we laugh about it, but I don't know. That might that might be just uh, his on bases. His on bases, 273. Oh, my goodness. Over the last seven games. 234 over the last 15. And again, I, I know we're laughing, but it is better than it was. <laughs> Which is a sad statement. But it's what it is, and he was very excited about taking a walk last night. I was excited for him, for what it's worth, uh, as the Orioles got a win. Stan the Fan is going to join us a little bit later on today. Stan will not be in on Friday, as he usually is. So we figured we'd spend a minute with him today, uh, both talk some Orioles as well as to uh, discuss uh, tomorrow. The new print issue of Press Box hits newsstands. He'll tell us a little bit more about what we can expect from that new print issue and yeah, who knows whatever else might pop up between now and noon. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, message. Do you have uh, my guy Banks's phone number? I do not. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll send that to you. I was going to see okay. if you wanted to come on and do a U.S. Open thing since Drew's not here today, and I don't really and know we if we have I want. a big U.S. Open audience. Well, I do think that during the majors, we should at least attempt to discuss them. Okay. And also, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot going on in the world of yeah, golf there is. of late. There is. Unlike, look, man, you know I care drastically more about tennis, but I kind of get it. Like, Djokovic won again is not quite as interesting. No, he's as, the greatest player of all time. Yeah, oh. Well, I mean, that was, as I told you, that was decided sometime before that. That didn't require this. I just, uh, I just in the subject of an email, sent you his number. See if he okay. wants to come on for a minute. Um. Anyway, any any hoodle, that's what's coming up on the program today. The important stuff today, as I mentioned, there's a new print issue coming. That means that this is it. Last chance for you to pick up this print issue of PressBox before it's gone with Jackson Holiday there on the cover. So go get it now because it will be gone tomorrow. Gone daddy 
gone. Gone. Like Frank Sinatra, gone. Like Elvis and his mom, gone. I actually, now, now that I think about that, I don't really understand that lyric, because isn't Elvis's mom still with us? Or did she just? No. I was confusing Elvis's mom with Priscilla. That's what I was doing there. Yeah, Elvis's mom is. The, uh, uh, the great switchfoot I was struggling with the lyric. It's going to be gone. Oh, man. So yeah. go get it now. Now before it is. Now, with that in mind, it also means today is the final day for you to register to win those four tickets to see all of the area minor league teams plus an easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card to Royal Farms. Today is the final day. Speak now, forever, hold your pee. Pressboxonline.com slash contests. Must be 18 or older. Do it today or you're never going to be able to. You'll wake up tomorrow morning in a cold sweat like, oh, crap. Is it? Do I still have time? And the answer will be no. It will be removed. Pressboxonline.com slash contest. Today is the final day to sign up to win that great grand prize. So make sure you go do it right now. Now go do it. Orioles do win. 11-6 last night over the Blue Jays to open up a three-game set. Um, obviously, if if we if what we were worried about was that this offensive outburst over the weekend was just about it being the Royals, and I pointed out I wasn't going to read too much into it, then you like backing that up by scoring 11 runs against Chris Bassett, who had come in pitching very well. Very well. Now, in fairness, and I, they alluded to it on the broadcast last night, Chris Bassett this season has either been really good in most of his starts, or in a couple of his starts, really bad. Like it's go figure that with Chris Bassett. I'm going to see if I can pull up the game log to give you something a bit more definitive about it. Chris Bassett this season has, you know, again, I, we saw it last night and it hurt, but he came into last night, I believe, pitching to a, yes, a, before last night, a 3.29 ERA on the season. Decent. Pretty good. But oddly this season, you basically got either quality start. First start of the season, stunk. Eight or runs, three innings against the Cardinals. Then quality start, quality start, quality start, quality start. Four straight quality starts after that. Then against Seattle, four runs and five innings, not so great. Then literally three straight shutouts, including one that was a complete game shutout against the Braves. And then another Quality start, two earned runs. Oddly, it was a weird game where he gave up six runs total last time out against the Rays, but two earned runs. But three homers in that one, yeah. And then stunk, stunk against the Twins. Seven earned runs in four innings. Then bounced back with seven and two-thirds shutout innings against the Mets. And then another quality start, eight innings against the Astros. Go figure Chris Bassett. Can't do it. I guess you take that guy, right? You, of course, take him. But it's really weird to try to figure out why there is nothing between, there is almost nothing between quality and awful. Last night, of course, was awful to the point where he badly wanted out of the game. Yeah. It was hilarious. (laughs) Where he was just like, look, man. I was going to stand here until that guy's warm. And they gave him a gift strikeout to end the inning where the the ball was nowhere close to the plate. In fairness, the Orioles got one of those at the end of the game when Mike Bauman was gifted a strike. 
The, the, actually, the check swing probably should have been a strike at the end of the game. Uh, they didn't give it to him, so maybe as a makeup call, they yeah, gave Ron him. Yeah, Ron Culpa had a day. Oh, God. I didn't pull up the umpire scorecard, but I guess mm-hmm. it probably wasn't very good. He was kind of all over the place. But, yeah, if you were worried that what happened over the weekend was just about them facing the Royals, then you certainly feel good about an offensive outburst. And the Gunnar Henderson thing in particular, if you thought that most of that was facing the Royals, then it was particularly awesome to see that he was able to sustain that against a high-quality pitcher in Chris Bassett. I, in fairness, legitimately thought that was a fly ball to center field off the bat. Yeah, I thought he got underneath it. I I didn't think there was a chance. I, the people that I know that were at the game last night, they were in center field. Um, Rita was there, was sitting out there. My friend Tony Thornton from BAL was sitting out there. They both told me that like they thought that if Kiermaier had jumped a second later, yeah, I mean he, he was that it. close to pulling yep. it back in. Um, now again, that would have been a, a home run robbery. It was not just a fly ball to center yeah. field, which was what I thought it was. Um, but an awesome moment for him to get the grand slam as a, a part of a three-hit night for him. Two hits each for just about everybody else. Rutschman, Santander, Hayes, Hicks, Frazier, Arias. Pathetic, pathetic Ryan O'Hearn only managed a two-run homer. <laughs> loser. One, a, one for five. Definitely not in the lineup today. Uh, he and Mateo, the only players in the lineup last night that didn't have multiple hits. Um you know, just a fun, fun night until, until it got a little itchy there at the end. Not that you were really worried about them losing the game as much as you started to think about the possibility of them having to put in more able pen guys in order to get the job done. And that's frustrating it's funny because Dennis Martinez brought up yesterday the idea of like maybe one more bullpen arm and you're kind of like well the bullpen's been there's like, one guy I think that would been that we been, go get. been working what's that there's one guy I think we should go Who? get I saw him pitch Friday night what a Roldis Chapman Roldis nope, Chapman not a chance why not because he's a piece of S and I will never root for a piece of S to be on my team like I y- y'all can y'all can keep these guys there will never be a day where I will ever be okay with putting scum on my baseball team or my football team there is a fine line. You commit domestic violence or sexual assault. I have no interest. None. To the point where, like, I remember talking to Cubs fans in, what was, what was that, 16? What year was it? 16? Yeah. About how difficult it was for them. And you can say, well, they're going to pitch somewhere, so it might as well be for you. It's fine. Y- y'all can have it. Like, that's your, your viewpoint of the world is that none of that stuff matters. Go, go right ahead. I'll never be that guy. I'll never, ever, ever be that guy. And you can do your whataboutism, and you can do whatever you want to do. I made it abundantly clear. If we know that someone did those things, I'm never going to be okay with it. You can say, well, this is a society where people get second chances. It doesn't have to be for my team. It doesn't have to be that way. I don't have to be put in the situation where I've got to root for it. I'm telling you, it was uncomfortable for me that the Orioles brought back Michael Givens. And that's not even like as much of a... Pr- that's still a little bit of, of he said, she said with Michael Givens, but it's enough that I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like it. I'm not going to bring it up every day, but I can't – like to me, there's no, there's no feel-good story there. And if I've got the choice, the answer will never be that. So when you guys want to talk about a role as Chapman, by all means, go ahead and talk about him. Not for me. 
Not for me, never will be, never will be okay with it. There is someone else. There was always going to be someone else that you can employ that isn't garbage. So there's my sermon for the day, and you can do whatever you want with it, but no thank you. No, thank you. Point will still stand then. Add another bullpen arm, I think. Yeah, I mean, the point of the Dennis Martinez made, which is interesting, like what you saw last night was just how little faith you can have in your B bullpen. And everybody's got this. Like, everybody's got an A bullpen and a B bullpen, the leverage guys and the non leverage guys. But to make it a not, to, to bring your B bullpen in in a nine run game and say, Guys, come on. Just get us through. Two innings. Close this thing out. And to watch Austin Voth and CNL Perez implode the way that they did. At least Perez, we've had, I mean, both of them had moments where you thought they were trying to figure it out. But the totality of what we've seen has been, I mean, overwhelming. It, it there's just kind of no justification for either one of them. And, you know, it's a little bit different because there's not an obvious choice. I, I, I keep coming back to D.L. Hall, but, you know, we're doing a weird bit with D.L. Hall. Can't just get the answer on it. It's very, very frustrating that you had a nine-run lead and you a- ended up having... Like, it was one thing that you put Baker... Bauman had to pitch in that game. Right, because, like, Baker to begin with, Baker, I think, is closer to an A bullpen guy than a B bullpen guy, but I kind of get it, right? Like, you're trying to go one inning each. In your mind, after you're up, you know, nine, you're like, all right, we get an inning out of Baker, then we can just rest him tomorrow, and he'll be available on Thursday, should we need him. That way we can replace whoever we're not going to use tomorrow. Like, we can use Baker on Thursday. Um, you get an inning out of Baker, you get an inning out of both, you get an inning out of Perez, you're there. Or in a perfect world, you get two innings out of both and yeah. you know, game over, right? Like now now again, I don't know how much you want to do that and, and Dave Johnson what's interesting is why they maybe went to both first. And it might be a matchup thing, I'm not sure. Because he is still your long man in your bullpen, although I guess Aiken can kind of I guess be that sometimes. you could try to make Aiken the long <laughs> against man. the Royals. He can, I, you know. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know what the thought process was there, uh, but it's infuriating. Yes, because Bauman is part of your A bullpen, and the fact that you had to go to Bauman at the end of the game to finish it off is infuriating. Now it's infuriating in the context of an eleven six win, right? Like it it doesn't doesn't change the fact that you're now four and zero against one of the teams that you're competing with in your division and particularly for a playoff spot this season. Like, those are really good things. It's it's better than your average win because the Blue Jays are a viable playoff contender that you want to keep at bay. You want to make sure you stay in front of the Blue Jays all season long. So it's a really good win. And it's a nitpicky thing within the context of a really good win because nobody is going to suggest that your B bullpen is the biggest problem facing the Orioles. The, the the bigger problems would be enough starting pitching. By the way, they did they I guess officially announced Tyler Wells is going to start on Thursday, so they're clearly not listening to the theory that I had put out there, which is fine. They're they, not listening to Glenn Clark. Right? They they're smarter than I. Well, they might be listening, or they might be just ignoring it. Um, they're smarter than I am, but I wouldn't do it. Like I would not start Wells on Thursday because next week provides that opportunity. 
And this goes back to the conversation that we're having about Grayson. At some point, I'd like to hear from them, what is the plan with Tyler Wells? Because it becomes really problematic if the plan is, we'll figure that out in September. If you're in the throes of it or preparing for the playoffs and you say, we've got to shut down Tyler Wells, that's a problem. And I know that the retort is always, well, you're going to feel really stupid if you start to try to do something now and he ends up getting hurt in July and missing two weeks anyway and you didn't need to do any of this. I'm talking about one week where you have two days off. Skipping a start to just be a little proactive. Just to think ahead a little bit in that scenario. And flip-flop to let Kyle Gibson pitch. I, I, all I'm trying to do is keep Kyle Gibson on every fifth day. I'm not even I'm not pushing anything with it. Keep him on every fifth day. That's what he's here for. He's a mercenary. A very likable mercenary, and he's been a quality mercenary. I'm not trying to be derogatory either towards Kyle Gibson. But he's here. He's the guy that you paid money to for a short term to run up those innings. So why would it be a problem to pitch him every fifth day in order to think ahead on the Tyler Wells thing? But nobody wants to think ahead. I, I, sorry, sorry. I know I'm getting lost in a, on a tangent. The Orioles won 11-6 last night. Yeah. I shouldn't complain about well, it. Uh, I shouldn't be complaining. Why is but so so for games like that? If if Ryan McKenna is not going to pitch in games like that, why is he on the roster? Which I <laughs> wait. What? Which I kind of say tongue in cheek, but also in the wait, same way, what? same vein, like what? very seriously. Last night? Yeah. No, you're not going to put a position player into. They're pitch up when, nine runs. No, no, you don't put a position player into pitch when you're up by nine. What are you talking about? If you're up by 20, maybe you put a position player into pitch. Maybe. Well, why is Ryan McKenna on the team? What, what, where did this come from? Well, why are you going war Ryan McKenna today? Because, because of all the things that occurred the last night. What is the... I, I'm not worried about the... I mean, yeah, Perez My and, God. and both uh, are clearly the last two guys on what there. But like, weird, we, it's not like we have something weird, to replace them with tomorrow, thing. today. Well, I don't know if that's true either. I mean, like at some point, that also goes back to the... When do you just say even if so? Dylan Tate apparently is going to start another rehab assignment, yeah. and you know we'll we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks. And when Givens is going to pitch today, apparently at Bowie. In in their world, they would say, well, Aiken can go again for for Tate or Givens because he's got the option, right? They've already they've already used the option this season, so why not? That would sort of be their retort when you would discuss that, but. We are. We're approaching. It's just not working at all, and someone else needs a shot, whoever that is. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we thought Tate and Givens were both returning then. But now, like, every time you think maybe they're settling in a little bit and maybe they can be helpful, you have a night like last night. Again, not the top of the list of issues. If they're going to have a night like that. One, one more starter is probably the top of the list of the issues. I would continue to say that another – I know we're all, you know, still going to be enamored by Ryan O'Hearn. I understand that. And I I don't know how to have an adult conversation about it because I, it, you're asking me to put aside the knowledge that I have and just live in the moment. And who do we – we talked about that with somebody the other day, the John Mioli I think we talked about it with. and Like, I – 
I'm not saying I'm incapable of that. I am capable of appreciating what's happening. But at the same time, in the context of trying to put together a team that can stay in the AL East race for an entire season, I got to be thinking about that. So I would say that even a middle-of-the-order bat is still ahead on the list. But it's probably easier to acquire another bullpen arm than it is to acquire either of these other things. And so if you can pay a much more minimal cost in order to get one more arm, and particularly not knowing if you're not if you're not going to go out and get another starting pitcher, this innings thing is just going to continue to be an issue all season long. You're going to need a, a reinforcement in the bullpen as well. Like if you're not getting another top, if your answer is what well, we think means we'll be back in August and you know, Braddish and Kramer have pitched well enough that we're not booting them out of the bullpen and we still want to bring back Grayson Rodriguez at some or booting them to the bullpen, I mean. And we want to bring back Grayson Rodriguez at some point and the cost for, you know, the, the pitchers that we would be willing to bring in because they can we can keep them around a little bit longer is just too extraordinarily high, so we end up not doing it, then you damn well need to make sure that you bring in more bullpen help. You need reinforcements in the bullpen at that point. Even if it's not back end of the bullpen, guys, it's, you know, more sixth, seventh inning. It's more... It's more reinforcements that you trust um, is the way you need to go. And I, I, I think Dennis Martinez was on to something with what he said. All that being said, it was, in ho- on the whole, a heck of a pleasant night for everybody that was at the ballpark. I'm sure it was an extraordinary amount of fun. And the Gunnar Henderson story is significant. I mean, the Gunnar Henderson story is coming into focus as one of the better stories currently in baseball as uh, getting to be must-watch. And everything that we believe that he was capable of being and the reason why all of these pundits made him the number one prospect in all of baseball, despite the fact that he wasn't even a first-round pick. This This is much more a testament to Mike Elias than Adley Rutschman is. Again, Adley Rutschman, as we said all along, anybody could have drafted Adley Rutschman. To find this guy when every other team in baseball had a chance to get him, that's a much stronger statement about what they're doing in the Orioles' front office and scouting, whatever you want to call scouting now. You need a Cano in that. Yeah, trade. I mean, sure, that's like, a different, but it's a different, that's a different, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously. But this to me, like when, whenever you say, well, how do we know for sure that Michael Elias, and I keep saying this, like, I think Michael Elias has done a good job, but I don't know that Michael Elias can win a championship because, again, his greatest accomplishment is flirting with 500 so far. But these are the types of things that go a step beyond getting the number one overall pick right. You're not, you're not competing against anyone. All you got to do is identify the best guy. Heston Kerstad, if he becomes that guy, is a bigger statement, right? Because he was the guy that nobody thought was worthy of being that pick. If Colton Kowser gets here, it's interesting. Um, if Colton Kowser gets here, yeah, the fact that somebody, we, well, I know, but somebody brought up somebody brought up that like, you know, he has struggled against lefties throughout his career, Kowser, and that maybe there is a viable argument for them wanting to see because he's. He had been much better to start this season, but it was in a really small sample size. 
I don't know if you can pull up the his splits really quickly. Yeah. But I, I saw that. I can't remember where I saw that from. That someone was trying to make a viable argument for this, why. So this season he is batting three oh eight against lefties, three thirty one against righties. But in, give me now the, look, I'll yeah, look at his I, career. No, I mean, but also or, in the, what, what's the sample size this year? How many at bats is that? I want to say it was something like twenty at bats. Like it was impossible to read into what he was doing. It was like this twenty year. games. Uh, so it was. Oh shoot! No, right, it, you, you don't do games is not how you. Yeah, do I this. know, but it was a, it was a. Le- it was it was like a more legitimate sample size. Uh, you're, you're, that's not an answer to me. Seventy-seven. At, no, sorry. I. Okay, so thank you for nothing. Sorry, yeah, I clicked. Uh, I clicked uh, to his career stats. One second, I'll have his twenty twenty-three ah, stats here in two seconds. Hang on, I got it. Uh, against lefties, no, yeah, twenty-six. Twenty-six at bats. So I. Uh, there is an argument to be made, and, and pull up his career stats for what he was hitting against lefties. Because you would say, oh, he's hitting three oh eight against lefties this year. That's fixed. But 26 at-bats is not significant. Now, it's it's also, you know, how many lefties you get the opportunity to face. It's not like in two weeks you're going to face so many lefties that it's going to give you a definitive answer. But might it be the reason why they said, hey, when he comes back, we'd like to keep him here for another month to make sure before we commit to him being an everyday player, and particularly while Aaron Hicks is getting the job done, that we'd like to see that continue against lefties to be sure – that he has actually made progress in that department. I I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, pull up. Uh, I can't get a career number, yeah, but I, I can. I'll look it up. But last, last year he was 143 against lefties. Okay. Yeah, it's atrocious, obviously. And in 2021 he was. In 2021 he was he hit 692, but it was only in 13 at bats. So. They can't really read anything. So he's good with small that sample was, sizes. That was the year that he, dr- he was drafted, so he only played a little bit at the end of the year. So a year ago, 56 at-bats against lefties, 143. Now, again, I would say that's still – the totality of that is still not an overwhelming sample size, but at least I can listen to it as if that's what they're talking about. If the thought process internally with Colton Kowser is – We'd like to get him more at-bats against lefties so that we can be more comfortable with what it is that he's doing. And if we're going to make him an everyday player, we don't want to bring him up here to just be a platoon hitter. We want to bring him up here at the point where we believe he's ready to play every day. They might not be willing to say that out loud, but if that's the answer, I can listen to that answer as at least being justifiable particularly with Aaron Hicks performing. If Aaron Hicks was struggling, then that wouldn't be justifiable for me. Like, get the dude here. But with Aaron Hicks having been a more than adequate replacement, I could understand if that's their thought process. I still don't know that I love it, and it still doesn't really answer the Jordan Westberg thing. The other story yesterday, of course, was Ryan Mountcastle officially going on the IL with vertigo, which is a little bit different than just feeling under the weather. And they bring up I can't I don't even know who this cat is. Who's the third catcher they brought uh, up? They got Colossvery. Colossvery, yes. whatever that is. Um, I, I, Orioles debut yesterday. Good for him. Yes, correct. I'll never. It it is almost hilarious to me to the extent of like when I, I saw that yesterday. I'm like they will just make people up before they bring up Jordan Westberg. <laughs> this isn't a real person. They will make someone up before they bring up Jordan Westberg. Um, I I don't. It reeks of we're committed to Ryan Mountcastle. And I think that's where Orioles fans would separate from the team 
and say there's no reason to be committed to Ryan Mountcastle any longer. Like, all due respect, if Jordan Westberg comes up and performs, then Ryan Mountcastle's a platoon player. And that's kind of all he deserves to be at this point. They appear to be, whether it's because they're, they're hopeful that they can have him come back and produce just enough in a couple of weeks that they could throw him into a trade, that they could be a team that would say, all right, give, give, let's see what we can do with Mountcastle. Give us a look at him. The power, you know, he's going to hit 30 home runs. Let's take a shot. If, if it's all against lefties, yeah. They haven't all been against lefties. Stop. They have not all been against lefties, but I get it. Like these, that's we talked about. There's it this your week. answer. So Kowser, maybe T, maybe Malkowski can play right field, and then okay, and that's so that, that's your platoon. Yeah. I don't I don't think I want Colton Kowser to be a platoon player, but I I understand yeah. what it is that you're saying. Um, I I think that is what you see in that moment is the Orioles are saying no, we're still committed to Mountcastle. We're not going to allow Mountcastle to be what what causes us to call one of these guys up because we want Mountcastle to go back to being a, an everyday player when he returns. And they're not going to, again, these are things they're not saying out loud, but you're trying to read into what they're doing. You're bringing up a third. I, I know there have been opinions that the Orioles should have a third catcher. So if Adley Rutschman's getting a day off, he can definitely be a day off. But it creates another scenario where, like, McCann ends up DHing one day because you're using another roster spot on a non-hitter. And McCann's not a hitter either and should never be DHing. I I, I am, unless, what the hell is the guy's name again? Colossbury. Unless Colossbury can also play a bunch of other positions that we don't know about and is a drastically better bat than we have any reason. Like I said before, this what this team could use is Evan Gaddis, is hitter that in a pinch could also catch. Like, if you're yeah. giving Adley Rutschman a day off, he's not really a catcher, but something happens to McCann that day, you could stick him behind the plate for three innings and finish the game to make sure that you don't have to put Adley Rutschman back into the game. See if the catcher's mid uh, fits Ryan, McC- Ryan Mountcastle. Right, keep going. <laughs> or Ryan McKenna, for what or it's Ryan worth. McKenna, I mean... Like, I, I, that's what they could really use. Is But the problem is that's not a bat, right? Like, they yeah. could really use a bat, right. a hitter, a, a pinch hitter type, a Josh Lester that you could also put behind the plate if necessary. That's what this team could we'll badly ask, use. Well, ask Joey Ortiz about it, right? Just I don't know if that's Joey Ortiz, catch. but he can do a lot of things. So maybe. I mean, Lester really does fit the profile. Yeah, of like, yeah. big bat, but not really ever going to be an everyday player anywhere. Just just tell him to go pick up a catcher's mitt and figure it out for a couple of weeks. Who was it that was doing it? It was Vavra that was doing it, right? Yeah, Vavra was Vavra uh, was the guy that was catching. training to be a catcher. Yeah. And, and it makes sense. Now, he's not really a bad either, which is the, he doesn't yeah. really fit the profile. But his his versatility makes him the ideal choice for something like this to be someone that could be your third catcher that could also do other things for you. Keeping around someone who's just a third catcher and nothing else makes zippy sense. None. Nil. Unless there was something going on in the can that we don't yeah, know unless about. Unless they're trying right? to set up, I don't know, I guess unless they're like trying to set up a, a Westberg call-up or a Kowser call-up, I don't really... What do you mean set up? 
Well, just now that they're, cause that's essentially a useless position, a useless spot on the 26-man roster, so you can just call up anyone at that well, point. Well, yeah, you could get rid of them tomorrow, 100%, yeah. but why do it? Right. Like, why right. make the call-up? I guess because they wanted to rest McCann today, for, uh, I, which, which again, doesn't make any sense. I don't have I don't have any of these answers, man. Yeah. I have no answers. Uh, Jake Rill had the best tweet, though, yesterday. He said, uh, he said uh, Colossary now passes Luis Torrens in all-time Orioles uh, games played. Ah, there you go. That's congratulations. Also, I've got to figure out where he would be on the all-time Orioles name Scrabble list because we did this yeah. bit one day on the old radio show. I did this bit of the, the Scrabble point and the, all the, the all of the mouth breathers. You don't get points for you can't play names. Thank you. When's the next Mensa meeting? I didn't get the memo. We did a bit on the show one day. I think when Lombard Dozy was ah, on the team is that what is a good one. I think that's what, and I and I'm, like use check was a a bit because we, we did all Baltimore sports names in order to come up with it. I can't remember who who was the highest scorer, but Lombard Dozy was high up there. Like use check was certainly on that Hushmanzada. list. Hushmanzada, uh, Hushman was definitely on in the conversation. Boy, I'm glad this guy wasn't on the team when you guys were doing that Orioles spelling bee a couple weeks ago because Colossal. I don't even know that guy's name. <laughs> I had never heard of him before yesterday. I, I swear to God, when I, I saw I this mean, floating around, I was like, this is not real. This is a this is not a real person. He had 20 at-bats with Cincinnati in like April last year. Sure he did, and if you say so. Sure. Sure he did. All right. Um, we'll get into Would You Rather Wednesday. I'm a little bit late getting them up on Twitter. They're up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio, if you want to check them out there. And I'll get the scenarios up on Twitter during this break. Also, uh, our friend John in Little Rock sent us those chips, and I wanted to try them. So we're going to do that this morning at some point, too. Still to come, as we mentioned, Joey Ortiz, Stay on the Fan. That's all on the way. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. The scenarios are up now at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter for you to respond to them. Bring down those chips. I want to try them. Go, they're out the. They're out in the other room. They're up on. Um, I think I put them up on the. The box is up on top of. Like, look to your left and then look up, and I think you'll find uh, a box. And I believe they're uh, in there. Our friend John on Little Rock. Very kindly. So this is actually it, it's going against uh, two things that I that I uh, have rules about. One, I I try chips on with my friends the Gatsby's. We do chip tasting parties on summer holidays, so I, I am kind of cheating on them, the Gatsby's, by doing this. And then two, I also like to we do a segment where we try things on the radio show. For example, what did we try this week? Oh, we tried the special sauce kettle chips that were not available for me on Memorial Day, but we did try those this weekend. They were good. They were a good chip, and in fairness, we after we gave them kind of mid-ratings, like we gave, I think we gave them like sevens, we then found out later that um, we ended up pounding basically the entire bag during the commercial breaks. Those damn kettle chips, man. They're incredible. So our buddy John in Little Rock, who we love, he's our friend, he was recently at a uh, convenience store that we have a lot of fun of on fun of, fun with on this program, called the Come and Go. That's what it's called, Come and Go, K U M and Go, Come and Go. Oh, he sent a koozie as well. I love that. Uh, I, I famously there was a video when when Fran McCaffrey was just staring down the official uh, this season. I, I all I could look at in the picture was the fact that the seat the courtside seats at carver hawkeye arena are sponsored the corporate sponsor is come and go k-u-m and go come and go so our guy john and little rock was down uh, at his local come and go and he found some chips that he thought that particularly i would enjoy the cajun dill pickle chips and he's under 100 percent right now we don't know that yet well, we haven't tried I mean, them, that but looks... yes in theory it sounds about right so hang on, I'm gonna take a picture of this, uh, so I can post it later. It was so, the, so it's Cajun dill, Cajun dill pickle, and hot chili lime. Hot he also chili sent. lime. Hot I chili mean, lime. Now look, I am um, I'm inclined to think that both will be pretty good. We'll see how these goes. Hang on a second. Cajun dill pickles. Where we're gonna start. Now here's what I don't like. I don't like a bag of chips where you gotta. They want you to open it. They wanted you to I, open. I, it. Oh, I, like the slit is yeah, because the slit's oh. there. Yeah, okay. I want. I want the uh, the pool. Right. I want that. I don't like when you have the slit there. Not a fan of that. But knocks it down a whole point. Certainly willing to. Um, Cajun dill. Pickle. Cajun dill pickle. Go ahead and get in there. We'll uh, we'll we'll see how we feel about it. All right. 
So it's a good chip. It's a very yeah. good chip. It's the thing I always say. Whenever you're doing something like this, the more flavor, the better. You get the dill first, then the Cajun spice later, and it works. It is a good combination. And in fact, the Cajun spice ends up giving you... you the Cajun spice ends up being the bold flavor a couple After, seconds yeah, later. right. Yes. A couple seconds later, you get the boldness of the Cajun spice. Because my first thought I was going to say, there's not enough Cajun, and, and then... All of boom, a sudden... Boom, it's there. That's, that's what yeah. you're getting. And in fact, I might even take back what I was starting to say, <laughs> which is that the flavor in general wasn't bold enough. You just got to wait for it. You got to wait for it. Ultimately, that's bold. Yeah. But you got to give it a second because your first your first bite, not quite bold enough. Of course, nobody can get these, so I don't really know why where it is that we're... You can't even purchase these unless you live somewhere where there's a come and go. All right, here's the hot chili lime. dill pickle. Hot oh, chili I like it. lime. I like it. it was very good. Yeah, I mean, ultimately yeah. ends up being a, a quality, quality chip. All right, there you go. Let's see how we feel about the hot chili lime chips as well. Man, yeah, you're, you're going all in. Right in. I guess that's what you have to do. Ah. Hmm. I don't want to say anything too quickly here. Right, because... <laughs> I got burnt on this the last time. That one I'm disappointed by. There's, there's the really, lime. There's nothing. I mean, the lime ends up getting there, but I don't know that I would call it hot. It's mostly just a chip. Yeah, no. I mean, here you can have a you can have a second a second. I don't, I don't think I need a second helping. You think you got your you got your final answer? It's fine. It's a, it's not a bad chip by any stretch of imagination. That one leaves me a little bit more wanting. And I gave that a second to see if it was going to change my mind. The lime is there. The lime definitely comes through. Oh, man, you know what? Does it? I... It does. It ultimately comes through, but it takes a minute. And the, 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 the spice actually comes through, too. You just got to give it a second. And that's the, that's the issue that I have. Is I... I want it in my face. I don't want to have to wait for it. I like both chips. I would go Cajun Dill over I would go Cajun dill far mm -hmm. far and away over the hot chili lime. Um, I think the Cajun makes it even that makes that one hotter than the hot than the hot chili lime. I don't know that I disagree with that. Don't know that I disagree with it. All right. Um there you go. We tried those chips. That's thank all you. that's all that was. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank that's you. That's that's the important Appreciate part. It. Thank you, John. Yeah. Uh now, let's uh let's let's do Would You Rather Wednesday quickly. Scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, only, only starting to get responses, and that's on me because it took me a little while to get them up on Twitter. Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Birdland Sports. Someone's going to win a T-shirt of their choice from Birdland Sports, BirdlandSports.com. I happen to know that Josh is making way for some new – oh, hello – for some uh, new gear. Because over the weekend, and if you missed it, shame on you, he did a 30% right. off sale on a lot of his stuff to kind of clear out some inventory to make way for some new things. So if you missed out, that's on you. I would make sure you don't miss out on things that you like. Go ahead and get them because you never know what might be next to clear out I'm ahead of. Whenever the Ryan O'Hearn t-shirt comes out, I'm definitely grabbing it. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the silliness of him Indeed. saying he wasn't going to make an Aaron Hicks t-shirt. He's got to feel really yeah, stupid now. O'Hearn, oh, yes. I don't know. I'm uh, trying to think. Uh, He's Kevin Brown did a O'Hearn, oh, oh yes. yes. 
And then I was like, I think maybe you say O'Hearn, yeah. I don't know. Mm, I don't think I that's don't a thing. I'm sure Josh will come up with something. Fall I mean, I'm, I'm okay with, like, if you did the, the, the curse of O, a curse of O in orange, and then Hearn and yes next to it, that might be that might be a thing. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but like Birdland, his, his batting silhouette, like he's Ken Griffey or something. That's a bit over the top. Uh, BirdlandSports.com is maybe something about Gunner and and the warehouse. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll, I'll let Josh figure those things out. That's not my department. My department is to give away some shirts. So let's do that. Uh, would you rather Wednesday number one? Would you rather the Baltimore Ravens make one more big move before the season begins? Whether it's signing DeAndre Hopkins or trading for, like, a Daniel Hunter. Or they make a couple more depth moves, like bringing back Justin Houston, Marcus Peters, Fuller, whoever it is. One big move, and tell me what, or a couple of depth moves. Which one? The depth moves, I think, is the only correct answer. Um, I mean, it. it I think the team will look a lot better if, you know, maybe, I mean, yeah, if they replicate what they had last year, you assume these guys, Houston, Peters, Fuller, all have drop-offs. But even so, if you add enough of those guys, then they, they, they have that, it's depth. Like, that's exactly what you need, and that's what you need in, over the course of an NFL season. I think as exciting as it would be to grab a Daniil Hunter or DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, we don't really need, I mean, whenever you can add DeAndre Hopkins, he helps your team. But it's like we are okay at receiver right now, and that, that's not the, that wouldn't be the one for me for the record. Like I'm not weighing this on other people might be, but I'm not weighing it on Hopkins. I am absolutely weighing it on Hunter because I I don't know that you can sell me on the difference between the Ravens being a Super Bowl team is a couple of Justin Houston games and like Justin Houston and one Peters game one Fuller game right. Like I I don't know that you can sell me on that. Whereas you could sell me on Daniil Hunter having a 13-sack season or whatever. And then a three-sack game in there, another three-sack game in there. Like, that could end up being the difference Opens in the Ravens. Opens the door for Bowser. And, you know. I, I am struggling with it because I am – I don't think that the Ravens would do Daniil Hunter. I just don't – I don't think they're going to be trading draft picks. We were talking about that on uh, the radio show with Jonas Schaefer the other day. I just think the Ravens – like, they've done what they're going to do. They traded a p- away a pick from next year in, in order to trading. get. I think I think that right now, as they get into the Lamar Jackson contract era, the moves like trading a second round pick for Roquan Smith, I just don't think we're going to see that much longer. I I think they are going to be understanding of we've got to hit on these draft picks. The draft picks are too important, and we've got to hit on them. Now, look, nobody's complaining about acquiring Roquan Smith, that's been a slam dunk. The Unique Ngakwe thing was a mess. By the way, Unique Ngakwe is still out there on the market, for the record. Um, Didn't work. That's the problem. Like, the problem is, in a normal world, if a player like that was out there, we'd all say to ourselves, why wouldn't you go get Unique Ngakwe? But because it was just such a mess when he was here, we're all like, nah. Now, it's a different defensive coordinator at this point, so, you know, is... It, it would the current Ravens be more inclined to just use an edge rusher as an edge rusher? It was always square peg round hole with Unique Ngakwe the first time around because the Ravens didn't just use edge rushers as edge rushers. They didn't just say, go get the quarterback and nothing else. So it kind of, I thought when they acquired him, that was their way of saying, we're going to change our philosophy because if they weren't, it made no sense. 
that they were acquiring Unique Ngakwe. It's one of those things that, like, years from now we'll, we'll talk about and be like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, what was the thought Unique process? But Ngakwe still had That's a good Scrabble word right there, probably. That is probably yeah. a good Well, there's not a big word. a couple ends. Oh, you're saying if you include the first oh, yeah, name? Yeah. yeah, we were always doing that oh, last, last name. Okay. Um, and ends don't get, ends are like one point. What are, are you talking really? about? Yes, oh. ends a very common letter. Ends got to be a one point letter. There's no way that you get more than one point for an N in Scrabble. Unique Ngakwe is still coming off a nine and a half sack season last year. I am a little bit confused as to why he's still sitting out in the market. What? It's one point. I yeah, know. Yes, I'm aware. It just sort of shows that you don't play Scrabble. I, get, I mean, I guess I don't play. It. Yeah. Um, been a little bit. I, I to me the answer is Hunter, and it's difficult because you'd yeah. have to get him at the right price. You you wouldn't if it's going to cost you if you can do a package of like third, fifth, third the you know something like like I couldn't give up a top two round pick for Daniel Hunter, so I don't know if I'm able to get Daniel Hunter because of it. But that's a that's a difference maker for winning a Super Bowl, whereas all of these other guys, again, I, I hear the th- – and by the way, it's overwhelming. Everybody's saying depth. Really? Yeah, which is I wild mean, to Well, because, I mean – No, it's you, early, too. I don't know if you've swayed me yet, but I think if there's a guy to add, Daniil Hunter's like, he is the game-changing guy because he opens it up for the rest of the defense, really, having a guy like that on the edge. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, helping out Bowser, helping out – hopefully helping out Owe and Ojabo. And uh, and and whoever our interior uh, defensive line ends up being, I guess Matt BK. Um, I mean, de- I mean, and, and they could still end up doing the Marcus Peters in-season trade. You know, they could, but if they're tr- making a trade for a Hunter, I really do think that limits any ability to make an in-season trade. Right. So, I mean, well, if they go the depth route and then they add another, you know, corner or oh, you're or saying, whatever in-season for you know whether it's a fourth, fifth round pick yeah, like Peters was, something like that. I hear you. I hear you. I I I am. Very much uh, swimming against everybody, but to me, Hunter is that's the biggest game changer that's out there. You're not gonna be mad. if they if they announce the Daniel Hunter trade the next couple of days, no one's gonna be mad. I mean, no, you couldn't be. Oh, I mean, it dep- I guess I guess it's like somehow they had to give up <laughs> two a first, first round, round picks. Pick. Yeah, I mean, then you'd be very <laughs> mad. But that's where we are. Uh, number two, would you rather? And I was playing around with these odds this morning. Would you rather bet Gunnar Henderson to win American League Rookie of the Year? $500 on Gunnar Henderson. Is this what his odds currently are? Yes. Okay. To win American League Rookie of the Year, which pays $1,800. This is like plus $360. $500 to win $1,800. Or bet $100 on the Orioles to win the AL East pays $1,500. Um, I think I still got it. Who's the favorite right now for the AL Rookie of the Year? That's a good question. I'll pull it um, I think I would have to go with the Orioles to win. I mean, but mm. honestly, both in my mind seem rather unlikely. I mean, gu- I mean, Gunner, gu- Gunner's like red hot right he's now. He's like the third favorite now. Who's That's, he? Who's he behind? Uh, Gunner is behind. Sorry, uh, Josh Jung is the favorite at uh, plus two sixty, okay. and then Yoshida is the second favorite at plus three hundred. Yoshida had been the the singular favorite not that long ago, and then Jung. Uh, He's the second favorite now at plus three hundred, only mm. slightly ahead of Gunnar Henderson. I mean, it's almost like if the Orioles do win the Aliens, then Gunnar probably will be vaulting himself into that mm-hmm. favorite for the Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I want to go. Uh, 
Orioles win the AL East. As, as unlikely as that probably seems right now with the Rays being five, six games ahead of us and no signs of slowing, although they've lost two in a row to the That's Oakland, right. The Red High Road. Break up the A's. Um, How many people showed up for that thing? Like 28,000? 20, they had 4,000 on Monday night. Yeah, it's cool. 28 last That's cool. Night. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm going to go. Better return on my investment, only $100, and, uh, and it will be more exciting to root for the Orioles as a team uh, You know, down the stretch. All most right. of the way. All right. So I'll go with the AL East. Win Again, um, most of most of everyone agrees with you. Huh. Most of everyone agrees with you. But the argument being more like because it's a more fun thing to root for. Yeah, it's less money that I have to pay and more fun that I for me to root for. I know. Yeah, that Gunner one's just gonna stress me out. You know, right. Every strikeout in September, I'm gonna be like, like oh. if I lose a hundred bucks, so I lose a hundred bucks. So yeah. I think that that's what's weighing on everyone's mind, and that's why everybody's going that route. And number three, would you rather? You're a Miami sports fan. And you have no, watched not. your team listlessly lose two championships in two days. Or you're a Texas fan. And by the way, in both scenarios, die hard. <laughs> you're a Texas fan. And you just watched your team. What if you what if there is a die get hard? Eliminated. My, somehow you're a you're die a hard Miami, fan. You're of, a Miami pro sports fan and you went to Texas. I mean, by God. <laughs> Somebody give him a hug. Uh, if you're not familiar, the Texas baseball team was playing in the Super Regionals against Stanford and rallied back in a deciding Game 3 on Monday to tie the game up at 6-6 and got what a pop, two outs, bases loaded, stressful, but got the pop-up that was going to force extra innings right until they all lost it in the lights. Routine pop-up to shallow center field that no one could find. And Texas baseball loses and is eliminated on a pop-up. Uh, so which one would, which would, one would rather you rather have happened to me? I mean, I guess I go... I don't know. I mean, both are both are so hard to like come back from. I mean, at, you know, at least in, in the immediate aftermath. I think uh, in a week... Well, I don't know. I think the pop, the drop, the the bad pop up thing, that's gonna sit with you for longer because you had I, the momentum going into you would have had the momentum going into extras because Texas was down like six to three and then they came back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'd rather be the Miami sports fan. I, uh, the argument everybody's making is the well the two eight seeds they like, shouldn't have even been there in the that's the argument and with. more of the argument people are making is like well you did win the. You know the the league or the right. conference or whatever. I don't. I, you get a banner for that. I mean, great. You know what I mean. I, 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 maybe this is unique because in my life, like I was not alive in '79. In my life, I've never watched my team lose the championship. Yeah. I was not a Suns fan when they made it in '93. Like I've never, I've only seen teams fall short of the championship. And, like, for example, we have romantic feelings about the 08 Ravens because that season was so wildly unexpected. I don't know how we would feel if they had gotten to the Super Bowl and lost the Super Bowl to Arizona. I don't know what we would feel about that team if that had played out that way. So this is a difficult thing for me to judge. I I feel like it is not easy to just say, yes, but it's amazing that we got there. Like, to get there and to feel like we're going to win the championship only to lose and to have that happen to you on back-to-back days. 
You also live in Miami, so you know. Uh, you don't know that you live in Miami. You might be a diehard Miami sports fan who lives in Alaska. Who lives in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, correct. <laughs> Something like that. You're trying to... Somebody... Uh, I'll just go out on my yacht. I'm not giving you a yacht. You don't get a yacht in this scenario. And if you have a yacht, you have a yacht as a Texas fan, too. If I'm a diehard Texas baseball fan... Uh, yeah, oh, I'd rather killing. be I'd rather be the Miami sports fan. I think it's you know I, I got it's to have killing. a really fun past two months. Um, it's it's uh, again I guess we haven't been in that exact situation, but I I, I don't I don't it's think it's that easy. Two months. I think you're saying that because you're separated from it. I don't <laughs> believe it's easy. The Texas to thing was just unbelievable. I understand I, that it's it's, but I think it's easier to if you're a diehard Texas fan. I baseball is probably your third most concerned sport. <laughs> Right, like no, but you're a diehard Texas baseball fan. Is that I, this is the question, okay? Right? That's fine. I understand that, but you like, live and breathe Texas baseball. You live and breathe Texas baseball. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just I don't think it's easy to be a Miami sports fan today. I think it's got to be it's it's got to be a gut punch. Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Someone's gonna win a T-shirt of their choice from BirdlandSports.com just. For participating. That's all you got to do. Just get in a response. Even if it's just a one of the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios, you will be registered to win a t-shirt of your choice from our friends at Birdland Sports, birdlandsports.com. Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sports books here in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now. Get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet. Or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com offers and sign up today. We're going to head down to Norfolk. Joey Ortiz is going to join us when we come back in. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. 
Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Sometimes there are days like this. Sometimes it happens that way. Unfortunately, Joey Ortiz was just called in. You know, you always wonder whenever you get these things that pop up from one of the minor league teams or like, hey, so-and-so uh, is not available right now. Well, what, what does that mean? That's, that's interesting. Um, Joey Ortiz apparently got pulled into something related to the Norfolk Tides and is not going to be able to join us this morning, which is very disappointing for us. And, of course, of all the days, the day where we were very light on guests, that would be the thing to happen, not like, say, yesterday when we were packed on the show. So we will try to make that up or do something else. We will see how it goes. Unfortunately, it will not be Joey Ortiz joining us this morning. That's all I can tell you about that. Such is life. Instead, we'll try to move some things around and have uh, Stan hop in here a little bit earlier on. Would have been a great week to bring back five words or less, but we didn't think about that. Such is life. Um, look, I, I I don't have a ton to say. As everybody knows, I'm not a big hockey guy. Um, so I don't have a ton to say about the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. Is it an amazing story? I guess it's harder for me to tell that. I, I think the people that know hockey would tell you that what the Golden Knights did, in instead of trying to build young build to win immediately was a bit different and perhaps necessary when trying to launch a pro sports franchise in a market like Las Vegas. We all, of course, remember that they quickly were able to get into the conversation. They were quickly able to find themselves in the Stanley Cup final where they lost to the Capitals five years ago. And then they stayed in the mix, stayed competitive, continued to put pieces in, and ultimately win the Stanley Cup. It, it It's one of those funny things where, like, you know, it, it's the first ever pro championship win by Las Vegas. So in the way that we're celebrating, like, Denver and these long-suffering fans, someone would say, well, you know, if, like, you've lived your life in Las Vegas, you've never seen a sporting championship, so it's kind of remarkable. We don't feel that way about it because we're like, dude, they've only existed for, like, a minute. <laughs> They, they, they barely are real. Um, we, we don't, it doesn't register with us the same way. But that all being said, it's still the first ever championship that a city has seen. And while it's a smaller market, you know, Baltimore's a small market, we know there are people that have been lifelong for whom they would say this was impossible. Like the fact that they not only have their own teams, but now have a championship to celebrate impossible so it's incredible it is an incredible story it's a unique story it's not maybe the feel-good story that the nuggets were that other teams and cities that have waited a long time whether we the country kind of got behind the cubs a few years ago and celebrated for a long-suffering fan base it's not that but it's a different type of incredible it's a different type of Boy, it's a ama- it's amazing that this city that had never had as much as a pro sports franchise ever, and that was once considered almost untouchable for professional sports because of the relationship to sports betting. I mean, there there was a thought that there would never ever be a pro sports team in Las Vegas. 
that no professional sports league would ever sign up for the potential conflict of having teams play in that city and the relationship to betting and all of those things. I mean, that that was real. You know, young people maybe don't know that, but, like, it, it was poisonous. We would laugh at the idea of a team moving to Las Vegas 20 years ago. I mean, it was laughable when someone would say, well, maybe they should move to Vegas. It was a huge story when the NBA put the All-Star game in Las Vegas, and I can't remember what year that was, 08, 07, somewhere in that range, they put the All-Star game in Las Vegas, and it was a massive, massive story that they would even do that. Like, wow, the NBA's flirting with this taboo city, you know, was was overwhelming at that time. It was 2007. 2007. They called pretty... it a disastrous weekend is the first headline. I uh, Yeah, there was a lot of reporting about like I mean, it's a. I don't really want to go back and okay. read. It, it, some of it is overtly racist, but like I do remember. I I happened to be there not that long after that. I used to when I when I worked in Phoenix, I went up to Vegas a lot for fights. Um, the the casinos would like run promotions with us, and I, yeah, I'm trying to think of. I was up there for the um, the Mayweather De La Hoya was the big one. No, that wasn't. Was that? Yeah, Mayweather De La Hoya was the big one that I was up there for. That is a good one. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, but I that might have been one where I didn't even go to the fight. Now that I think, I might, it might have been one where because there were a few where I hope the statute of limitations is up. Like the casino would say, "Hey, we'll give you the weekend. Come up. We'll give you the weekend in Vegas. You got to do a little bit of um, you know, like promotion of the fight on the show, and then we'll give you tickets to the fight. We'll give you the room comp for the weekend. You get Atta like, boy, wow. Over, oh, oh, and so I went for a couple of them. I was like, well, this is cool. Like, this is a lot of fun. And then I remember thinking like. What could I sell these tickets for? Oh man! Like, did? I mean, it it funded. I, I, that one room. for that one. My God, I think I got. It was May fifth, two thousand seven. Was the was the Mayweather De La Hoya yeah. fight? That was definitely one that we sold the tickets for. We, tr- I remember, like we would go up, and we would have like a number, where if we can get this number, we'll sell the tickets, and if we don't, we'll go to the fight. I'm I'm curious. We went up for Bernard Hopkins, Winky Wright. I remember that one. I remember being up there for uh, Rampage Jackson Liddell, I want to say, was one of the ones that we were up there for. That one might have been one that we actually went to the fight. God, these all run together, dude. They've been a long time, like 16 years. I was like, yeah, that was like three weeks later, May 26, 2007. Was Liddell, was Liddell uh, Jackson? Yeah, Rampage Jackson. Yeah, I was definitely up there for that because I remember hanging out with Roger Huerta. Uh, that weekend, who had just been on the cover. He was the first ever UFC fighter to be on an SI cover. It was wow. a big story. So we ended up um, hanging out for a little while. I can't remember all these other fights that I went to. It was a, it was deemed impossible, was the point. There was a thought that this would never, ever happen, that you would see pro sports in Las Vegas. So for there not only... And now be, it seems like almost a desirable... Yes, it's, it's, almost, it's about to become a three-sport um, city, unless... For some reason, the Oakland Athletics saw twenty eight thousand people show up last night and said, the, "Now we got to sell the team." The sell T shirts were awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, mean, I, I, every, I, I think everyone had them. Look, just... I I appreciated the thought process behind what they were doing. I uh, appreciated the effort that was put into putting together something like that. It. Somebody would say it's kind of sad when you you're, you're putting all that effort in, you can still only get twenty eight thousand people to show up. Somebody would say that's a little bit disappointing that you'd like for it to be an even bigger crowd than that, particularly in that stadium where you, know, you can put something like 50,000, 60,000 people in there. Um, 
I still think it was an amazing grassroots attempt to show that like hey, there is a fan base here. This is we have not given up on baseball. We've given up on the people that run this team and that aren't trying or who have given up. Yes, right. like that's that's what we've given up on. And it's the type of thing whenever someone complains. I love Drew. Everyone knows I love Drew for whatever dumb reason, right? Like I don't know why I love Drew. You know, we work together. We're friends. It's a whole thing. Drew is very high up on the list of people that like to try to make attendance some sort of thing. And it's constant for me. Like, your obsession with attendance, you're smarter than it. You're trying to play on other people being dumb is really what happens. You're trying to make it a story because you're hoping that other people are stupid because you're not that dumb. You know... Like somebody said, well, there were only eighteen thousand people for one of the games. Maybe the Friday, Friday night. Friday there night, there were only eighteen thousand yeah. people. And you're like, wow, a good baseball team at home on a Friday night. That's disappointing. Well, start. There was no event on Friday night. There was no. Here's why we're asking you to come you to the ballpark. Start doing Friday night fireworks or something. What, whatever yeah. it is, Friday night fireworks. You know, this. Do they even do student nights anymore? No, they don't. Yeah, I they mean, don't. they do the ten dollar Utah street tickets for Monday through Thursday. Right. There's so. nothing to try to encourage right. more people to go to the games on Friday nights. It's a nondescript opponent that no one cares about. That, and it's a team that's still trying to recultivate a fan base, and all of the issues that existed before still exist. Like, the public transportation sucks. It, it was, as I said, the night that I was going Give to... Give the bl- light rail props. I, I took it Friday night. worked out fine for me. God bless you. Yeah. You're the one person yeah. that had that experience because the night that I was going to the Blink-182 show and everybody was going to the game, it was hell. Ooh, I mean, yeah. hell. A special kind of hell. My experience on the light rail. And it gave my buddy uh, COVID. So on top of that, somehow I avoided it, which is nice. Good but I, I, I don't, Or I've had it before. And so I don't, whatever, I don't know how you that just wash your hands, I don't you think know. I don't think I've ever had COVID before, but I'm not stupid. Who knows if I ever had it or, what, or, or anything like that. The point being, all of those things are still problems. You know the answers. Drew knows the answers to these questions. He's just kind of purposefully dumbing down to play to... It's it's like when I brought him in here and he had written about the attendance at Preakness. I'm like, let's talk about it. Let's actually have a conversation about it. And once you have the conversation about it, you know the answers. You understand. But it's easier to just say, well, where are all the people? Well, in Oakland, we know what the story is. The story is the team stinks. And the stadium, the stadium is an abomination. Yeah. Is an abomination. We make fun of Tampa, where the stadium is an abomination, and the team plays 30 minutes outside of the city. People make fun of the Arizona Coyotes. They played in Glendale, 30 minutes outside of the city. Nowhere near their fan base. And the team stunk. Vegas is an example of what happens when you invest. And they said, we need to invest early. We can't build this through young players. We can't wait for years for the team to get good because we know it's not such an overwhelming hockey market that people are just going to show up. They ran the risk of becoming the Coyotes quickly. Yes, there was always going to be interest for the first year or two because it was the first pro sports team in town. But then after that, if you weren't consistently good, they were going to run the risk of becoming the Arizona Coyotes. Non-hockey market, not a very good team, people aren't interested. The Florida Panthers would go years where no one cared. 
And then all of a sudden, what happened? They got good and people showed up. It's not hard to figure this out. The answers are never all that difficult to come up with. The owners of the Oakland A's would like you to believe that the fan base has eroded. The fan base hasn't eroded. It's very much still there. We all saw it when the A's were good. That place was electric, despite it being a dump. The Raiders played in the same stadium. It was a dump, and it was electric. It's easy to try to blame the fans. So I appreciate the fans of the Oakland Athletics saying, look, we're still here. We're real. We have not gone away. We, we want to show up and support the team. But is it going to make a difference? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, I it's, it's, so. it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's not. It's, it, and it, it really sucks, I guess, for Oakland to see two of their pro sports, their, their, two, their two pro sports teams leave. Well, in all three of them. Yeah. Now, the, uh, what, the, Warriors, the Warriors didn't move yeah. far, and like presumably if you're a Warriors fan before, you're still a Warriors fan even though they're in San Francisco. But for the city of Oakland, it, eh, not great. Um, we never really got any clarification about what's going on with Stefan Diggs. <laughs> like, I really don't know what the hell is happening with Stefan Diggs. I again it doesn't really matter to us because we don't think the Ravens would be in the market for a wide receiver. It doesn't even make sense for the Bills to trade Stefan Diggs. Like they wouldn't save any money and it would cost them a huge hit next year. I don't know what's happening there. Like everybody's reaching out to his agent and his agent was saying, like, oh, it's not contract related. Like nobody's giving an answer as to what's going on. He posted these cryptic messages on Instagram. That, I mean, what in the in the blue hell do you make out of it? I just letting people, I just be letting people cap. If them lies help you sleep better, tell them, big dog. Uh, uh, okay? Uh, okay? So, so I guess he's trying to say that whatever Josh Allen and Sean McDermott are saying when they're who put knows on the spot here doesn't mean anything. Who knows what I, he's responding to? He's not saying anything. I have no idea what to make of it. None. No clue. Is there somebody within the Bills organization that he's concerned about? Is there a Steve Saunders figure within the Bills organization that he's been poisoned on? I think we were all really moved by that scene last year where Sean McDermott and Stephon Diggs hugged it out after Stephon Diggs had been emotional on the sideline. Where we were like, wow, that's that's incredible. Like that's that's sign of leadership, that's sign of trust. That sign of a relationship between two people that goes beyond coach-player where you can be emotional and you can scream at each other and then you guys can hug it out knowing you both have the same goal. I think we all love that scene. But was there something more to it? Was there an underlying issue between Stefan Diggs and Sean McDermott that we don't know about? We've all been led to believe that Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are are close friends or buddies. So I I don't know. I, I don't I have no idea. As I said yesterday, it doesn't really affect us because there's just no world in which 
the Ravens are going to be the team trading for Stephon Diggs if there is a poisonous relationship. It certainly wouldn't be a bad thing unless, for us if he ended up in the NFC. Yeah. Somehow, like if unless this, he just completely works his way out and gets waived or released or whatever, and then. Nah, I still don't. I mean, the money that would be involved with that seems overwhelming, and I just yeah. can't fathom they would. I can't fathom they would do it. Um, I still can't fathom up being like a week with, eight. without knowing anything about this, yeah. like nothing at all. It's it's just utterly bizarre to me, this scenario, that he showed up, he didn't practice, and no one is saying anything. No one will answer the questions. It's truly insane. To the point where, like, what could it be? Like, it's it's impossible to come up with that. Why would we only be hearing about it now? Why would it take until this week for it to become a story? I guess because it's mandatory mini I understand that, but if there was a problem there, why, why would, wouldn't it have popped up? Right, why wouldn't he or his agent have said something, have prepared for it? Why would he show up? Why would he report to the building and then not practice? It For people that have said that Stefan Diggs is a me guy. They're having a, the time of their life with this, which is hilarious because for the most of his career, he hasn't been a me guy. He's been an emotional guy, right? Like, hell of a football player, emotional guy. Not a me guy any more than any other wide receiver. They're all me guys, if you will. Um, just an emotional player. I'm baffled. I mean, this is, honest to God, about his baffled as I have been about a scenario as we continue to wait for anything that feels like information when it comes to Stefan Diggs that we don't have. I I have no earthly idea. All right. Um, let's grab our final break. No guests. Remember yesterday we had three guests in one break? Yeah. I was I was thinking about that too. I was like, man, I'm there. I, I I almost hate it when I have those good days of mm-hmm. yeah when I when I book mm-hmm. a bunch of good guests on one day because there's no way I can follow it up. Yeah, but they, you don't even need to. It's today wasn't even about following it up. Yeah, today was just about not batting zero. <laughs> this is Jorge Mateo is scoffing at today. <laughs> Jorge Mateo is like, oh, what a. You guys are really struggling over there. I'm be celebrating like Jorge Mateo when I call Stan. God, this is this is about as bad as it gets. Today's show is uh, brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com/slash/contest. Final day, last chance. Speak now. It's got to be today. If you wait till tomorrow, sorry. Too bad. So sad. We've moved on. PressBoxOnline.com/slash/contest. Go register to win. Four tickets to all of the area minor league baseball teams, plus an easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25, plus a $50 gas card from Royal Farms. Again, pressboxonline.com slash contest is the website. Go get signed up right now. Maybe stand the fan, Charles. The way today's going, I'm not even certain of that. Maybe. And we might even do things out of order today, tidbit and tubular, and try to get out of here at a normal time today because why would we stick around late? What do we possibly have to stick around late for? More Stephon Diggs news. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR. The only other uh, news that we didn't cover, obviously the name that um, wasn't on my list of depth moves the Ravens can make was Adrian Amos because, as we know, Adrian Amos is gone. He is signed with the Jets. Bad news for old friend Chuck Clark as that's the reason why they needed to sign Adrian Amos was Chuck Clark is uh, facing a serious injury, a knee injury um, that they believe is serious. So they decided to swoop in and get it done, gave $4 bucks to Adrian Amos. So the Baltimore native is, scratch him off the list then, not going to be returning home to play for the Baltimore Ravens. Such is life. You know, it's a tough thing. I think a lot of us like the idea of Adrian Amos because it would allow Kyle Hamilton to slide back to playing nickel corner, which he was outstanding in that role a year ago, and so that made that particularly compelling. Not going to be the answer. Not going to be the route that they end up going as Adrian Amos has signed with the New York Jets. Um, Nothing much as far as the first day of minicamp was concerned. Not a whole lot that was happening that I felt like was terribly worthy of a, a great deal of conversation. We talked about the guys that uh, weren't practicing. Who cares? It's it's June. I just don't care who's on the practice field and who isn't. The Ravens, everybody show up. J.K. Dobbins didn't practice. So I guess the only – if you're looking for an, you know like something, if it bleeds, it reads type of scenario, was J.K. Dobbins like, is it a hold in for J.K. Dobbins? I'll – I'll show up, 
but I won't practice. Well, Jeff Zrebeck says it was precautionary for a minor soft tissue injury. So then that kind of takes that off the table. Is it possible that they're just lying about that? Like, I, for God's sakes, not worth it. J.K. Dobbins didn't practice yesterday. Jeff Zrebeck of The Athletics says that it is because of a soft tissue injury and not because of anything related to his interest in getting a contract. Whether that's true or not, I, I, I don't know. I certainly have no reason to doubt it. There's nothing that I know that would make me say, here's why that's, that's definitively untrue. So there we are. Uh, all right, a couple things I wanted to respond to today, and then we'll try to track down Stan the Fan. From uh, Jeff, Jeff says, Glenn, sorry, Glenn, I feel like uh, as you've been talking about the Westberg and Kowser call-ups, what's been missing in the conversation is whether or not they actually need those guys to be here. For as much as we want those guys to be here, if they're getting production out of the players they have, why should well, we didn't? You say well, this is missing. We actually did address this, Jeff. From a business standpoint, why should they be here? This goes back to the conversation. I, if you want to defend anything that way, that's fine. We brought this up with Mioli, um, uh, in fact, on Monday. If the Orioles' thought process is, if we don't need someone here, let's not race. Let's not race. They could end up being a. You know, right now, we're talking about Ellie um, De La Cruz being in the center of Rookie of the Year conversation. Gunnar Henderson, despite struggling, is moving right back in the middle of Rookie of the Year conversation. And they can earn a year of service time by doing that. And if the Orioles are saying to themselves, we wait another month and we make it essentially impossible for a player to get into Rookie of the Year conversation, we protect... Our investment, we get another year of team control in the process. That's a win for us if we're able to continue to be competitive and win without those guys, win-win all around. They can make that argument. And I can't, like a right-wrong, to make it black and white, is it right, is it wrong? I don't know. Certainly, you get the reputation of being that team. And that's not a good thing. It gives you the reputation of being the team that's cheap. Being the team that's always going to try to take advantage of players. And does that mean you'll never be able to sign anybody? Does it mean No. But does it matter? Yeah. Like, I, I, to try to dismiss it and say it doesn't matter if that's what your reputation is. Is there any rationalization to it? Like they're trying to protect the trade value, I guess, of Westbrook? We brought yeah. that up a few times. Maybe, but to, to what end? The idea that... If they struggle at the major league level, it would hurt them. Like The idea that three weeks of major league struggles would outweigh everything that you've scouted about a player or would that three more weeks of killing AAA competition would suddenly make you more valuable... I don't. I don't know that I buy it. I, I. I don't know that it's nothing, but I don't know that I. That I. That I would justify it that way. I couldn't justify it. I thought about that at first. At first, it was easy. An easy dumb thing for me to say. Yeah. Like, and I brought that up a couple of times, but I've changed my tune on that. It's. It's unjustifiable to me, if a player is ready. 
you don't just keep them there in hopes that that makes them more valuable at the deadline. Well, good thing Mark Colossary was ready. Right, yeah. thank you. He was he was clearly ready, whoever he is. Guys ready, you bring him up. Guys ready, you get him to the major leagues. I don't I don't buy into it whatsoever. Um I I the other argument, they could never say it out loud. They could never say that they're thinking about, they're still concerned about manipulating service time because that makes you evil. And frankly, if you're trying to trade one of these guys, then who cares what the service, that's somebody else's problem. You, you can't say out loud, we're still concerned about service time. But it can be true. It can be real. I mean, but it can be that you wouldn't, Admit to it, but you're still thinking about it. And as much as Major League Baseball wanted to try to change the service time issue and get the best players to the Major League level as possible as quickly as possible because they're exciting and people want to go out and see them, and why are we worried about helping Norfolk and Indianapolis and whatever other places? It could still be real. I, I can't shake that. And, and again, it's such a, a bigger... I'm talking myself in circles. It's a bigger conversation about right and wrong when we delve into those waters. It's almost like talking about collusion. You don't want to accuse a team of doing that because it doesn't it feels it feels evil. But is it the smartest business decision that you can make? Would it make more sense for the Orioles to say if Jordan Westberg is going to be around for a while, if he's our second baseman for the next five years, we want to make sure we have him. Don't get him a year closer to free agency. I, I, I don't like these conversations because they're completely hypothetical. And there's there really is no correct answer. But I understand what you're asking. We have addressed it. It, it has come up. I don't think it's nothing in in the context of this conversation. All right, uh, tomorrow, new print issue of Pressbox hits newsstands, and our next guest is going to be busy on Friday, running around town, getting that new print issue out, so he will not be able to join us in the studio, so we thought maybe we'd have him hang out with us today for a couple of minutes. He is our buddy, the Chief Grand Poobah here at Pressbox. Stan the Fan Charles, and he is with us now here on GCR. Stanley, what's going on, sir? How are you? Not much, not much. How'd the kids enjoy the game the other day? They had a great time. In fact, my eight-year-old had no interest right. in going to the playground. He had no interest in going ah. out to meet Black Panther. He just wanted to be in his seat to watch the baseball game. On I was that's fascinating. blown that's away fascinating. by it. First time that's ever happened that how, I took him to a game, and he just wanted how to watch the game. Sam? Sammy, how about Sam? Sammy was still more interested in the Avengers. Like, that part of it was okay. – he was there for that, and – that was fine. Okay. You know, we took him out. He met uh, Captain America. He met the Black Panther. And he he didn't hate watching the game, but he was definitely distracted and constantly asking if I could go out and get him a, a snack or, you know, do something else. Right. Graham, yeah. my eight-year-old. Correct. My eight-year-old all in. Yeah. He has turned the corner. He was very excited. He was losing his mind every time <clears throat> there was a runner on base about the idea of them stealing a base. He's very excited about stolen bases. Like, is he going to mm -hmm. run? Is he going to run? I'm like, Graham, nah, it's Salvador Perez. He's not going to run. <laughs> not going to be happening. Uh, I don't want to hurt you here. Not going to occur. But it was, uh, it was a great day at the did ball. They meet, uh, did they make, 
did they meet Captain Splash? Uh, they did not. No, they did not meet Mr. Splash. Actually, I tell you what, here's the other one. Uh, right. My eight-year-old was very upset, and I don't know that he'd ever heard the name before. My eight-year-old was very upset that he didn't meet Cal Ripken when they put him up on the big screen. When they put oh, Cal God. on the screen and, and said he was there, yeah. all of a sudden my eight-year-old right. was like, well, I want to go down and meet Cal Ripken. And I said, buddy, it's not... It's not a meet and greet day. <laughs> like it's not a, you know, go line up. He's just you sitting want, here. Do you, want me to, do you want me to call him tonight as Cal Ripken? Uh, oh wait, that would be great if you were willing to do yeah. that and say, "Hey, <laughs> bud, it's Cal." I couldn't do that. I mean, I'm sure that I could put. I could ask Maroon at some point in my life. I have no doubt that at some right. point in my life, right. my right. kid will have the chance to meet Cal Ripken. But he was very upset right. on Saturday that he was not meeting Cal Ripken. He thought that was part of the equation for the baseball game. Um, let's. I want to talk with you about this. Like, wh- how do we have an adult conversation about O'Hearn and Hicks and Lester and what they're doing and how long they can do it with Westberg and Kowser waiting and seemingly ready for a call up and Mountcastle going on the IL? Like, what do we make out of this? Because it's definitely fun. But is it the right thing to keep waiting this thing out and letting them go versus trying to get these guys here and get them adjusted to major league hitting or major league pitching because you're probably going to need them in September? Uh, that's a lot to unpack there. But, uh, you know, the teams that generally win and really challenge for a championship, they, they all have that unique. Uh, thing, what's what's the phrase, you know, the sum is greater than the whole of the parts right. or something like that. In other words, what they're doing as a team right now defi- defies what we would individually say that they'll all do, you know. Uh, and I think that's, that's sort of what's going on right now. Um, it reminds me a lot of the 83 Orioles. Yeah, we had Ken Singleton, Cal Ripken, and Eddie Murray. But we also had Benny Ayala, Pat Kelly, Gary Renicky, John Lowenstein, that really, over the course of 162 games and when used properly, players can really sort of defy what it says in the numbers because that's what other teams have used them as, you know, uh, in the past. They've used them differently, not as effectively as we seem to be using some players right now. You know, I don't think, for example, Ryan O'Hearn would be putting up these kind of numbers and putting some exciting bats together if he was facing a left-hander seven, seven out of ten times. You know, he's he's batting against right-handed pitching right now, and he's really thumping real good. You know, does that mean he's going to do it over 162 games? I I couldn't tell you, but I like his chances the way Brandon Hyde is using him now. I I hear you. I I can I count on it continuing for three months? You know what I mean? Like that's the that's the part that I'm struggling. What I'm struggling with is I, yes, write it out. It's you know all of these things. But do I do I, yeah, I? I'm starting to take this team seriously enough that I'm I'm really scratching my head. I really don't see both and Perez really surviving unless Perez really turns it around, you know, oh, right now. No, no doubt. You can't convince me, you can't convince me that D.L. Hall in some type of middle relief or late, you know, seventh inning or something can't be more effective in the major leagues 
than CNL Perez right now, or especially Austin Voth. I mean, I thought Voth was really terrific last year. He's had a few moments this year, but, you know, he comes in last night. You're, you're killing this team. And he kind of, I want to say he let them back in the game, but he did open the door ajar a little bit and forced, at the even at the end, they had to, to, to bring Bautista was warming up which is ridiculous in a game well, like that. I think that. it was a nightmare that they just had to put Bauman in. Bauman's more part of their area bullpen. They should not have to put Bauman. You needed two innings. Two innings yep. in a nine-run game out of your B yep. bullpen, and you couldn't get it from them. Yep. I, don't, I, don't, yep. I don't disagree with that part of it. Now, now I'll, I will say this. I'm wondering, you know, Brandon talks an awful lot about, you know, we just need more innings out of our starters. I'm not quite sure why it was necessary to pull – Dean Kramer at 94 pitches after six innings last night with a what was it a nine to one lead at the yeah, time yeah. or a ten to one lead? I, you can't convince me that he couldn't have gotten through at least two outs in the seventh, which makes Baker an inning of the third for the seventh and eighth, and then he got both and you know Perez to to play in the ninth inning in a game like that that was out of hand. But uh, you know that's I, I can't right. quite put my finger on why Brandon preaches this all the time, that we need more innings, and yet he doesn't have a single starting pitcher, Glenn, that averages over the highest average inning pitcher he's got is Gibson at 5.9. And he pulled Gibson out of the game a week ago where he had a substantial lead where I thought that he could, you know, do another inning. So I, man, um, you know, Kramer, Kramer was not great last night. Um, I get I get the thought process, right? Like just just go back yeah. out there and see what you get more of. I I don't know. I just if yeah. you can't get three innings, three, if you can't get three innings, and ba- Baker's part of the A bullpen, so that's a tough conversation. But, I would, but part of it, Glenn. But part of it is if you think if you think like that, if you can't get three innings, first of all, we have so many guys that are pitching five innings, right? Uh, or you know that right. you need you need to cover four innings per night like six nights a week, that's an awful lot to ask and, and want to be able to put in your A guy when you, when you really have a game on the line. You know, um, it, it's, it, it's taxing this bullpen way too much. You know? uh, the, other, the wild card for me is, speaking of Gibson, when, uh, next yeah. week you have two days off. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to deal with the Tyler Wells thing at some point. Like it's it's fun right now because he's been your best starter. He's been excellent. That's all anybody wants mm-hmm. to talk about with Tyler Wells. But he's not gonna be able to go 180 innings this season. Like you can't right. go from 103 to 180. I don't know exactly what right. the number is, but you're gonna have yeah, to deal. With in the one, it's probably in the 135, 140. And I've talked to a couple people that think that you could push it to 150, something like that. But, you know, you're going to have to deal with it at some point. You have two days off next week. There is an opportunity sitting in front of you to skip Tyler Wells next week. And not even really skip him, just as much as not have... readjust things. Correct. If you you have Uh, Kyle Gibson pitch on normal rest on Thursday... Then he could pick, right. and because part of the equation is you're facing the Rays and those games are important, and I get that. But right, Kyle right. Gibson pitching the second game of the Rays series doesn't seem all that bad to me. And if you start, if you if you do Gibson on normal rest Thursday, then he can pitch on mm-hmm. normal rest next Wednesday in the second game of the Rays series, and you can skip through Tyler Wells 
in order to try to address the innings thing. But they announced Tyler Wells is starting on Thursday of this week, and I guess that means that he's going to start again next Wednesday against the Rays, and I I don't know when you're going to deal with the innings thing with Tyler Wells, which is going to become real sooner than later. Well, the thing with Tyler has always been, you know, if you recall, you know my big MO is turning failed, not not failed starters, but starters with a little bit of a question mark into relief pitchers. And I was really big proponent of that with Tyler Wells, as I was with um, uh, D.L. Hall. But the reason I was proponent of it with Wells was that I think over a long season, Wells is going to have an injury at some point in time. He's just, that's been his MO in his three previous major league seasons. So I, I hear you. You've really thought it out a little bit deeper than I have at looking where you're going to start to make that cut. I understand, though, why you wouldn't want to necessarily skip Wells, somehow avoid him pitching in Tampa. So maybe they'll address it right after that. Yeah, I just I, I my point I guess really is you just got to do something. It's you got to at some point acknowledge that that this is real and what you I, I keep living I am in terrible fear. Stan, I brought it up with Grayson earlier in the season. I am in fear of you getting to September. Tyler Wells has been your best pitcher all season, and all of a sudden you say, "But yeah, but we just, we're just going to have to shut him down as the games get to their most important." Like I, right? I, I just I that is a disastrous scenario for this team and this fan base well, and the relationship. Hopefully the semi-forgotten man, Cole Irvin, can, Cole Irvin can start to, you yeah. know, uh, pick up some of that slack right now. You know, I just I went over this this list of the innings pitch. Bradish threw 11 starts, is averaging 4.8. Kramer, 5.4. Gibson, 5.9. Wells, 5.8. Rodriguez was 4.5. And Cole Irvin, I didn't even use his starts this year. I added up his starts the previous two seasons, over 62 starts. He was uh, 359 innings, 5.7 innings per start. So the Orioles are kicking, in my estimation, just a little short of where I'd like my starters to be. I'd really like them to be in this the 6.2 inning, oh, sure. 6.3 inning range. Mm. You know, it's such a difference when you don't have to cover four innings every night and and look you know the hope is that there's going to be reinforcements coming as well not just via the trade deadline but you know even with a setback that john means could help in that department late in the season like that that you certainly yeah and and grayson grayson while i don't expect grayson to be called up like in two weeks Mm -hmm. you know uh, there's no question post all-star break when you start talking about wells needing some, you know, needing to push his starts uh, a little further out from one another to, to handle that innings thing or, or do a just a rest for 10 days or something like that, uh, maybe Grayson will be able to help at that point in time. You certainly you know? hope so. You certainly hope so. Stan yeah. Fan Charles yeah. with us here on GCR. Let me go back to what we were starting about. Where are you with Westberg and Kowser, though? Like, where are you with those guys and when – like they should just be here because they should be here and and you solve it from there. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm really on the Kowser the Kowser the kick to me is pretty imminent to me. Um, you know, the big difference again, Glenn, 
is nothing really mattered other than development the last couple of years. Yep. This year, it's quite clear that the Orioles are surpa- again surpassing expectations and and then some. So we're really in this thing right now. And I just can't understand how Ryan McKenna is sort of a better guy to have on your bench than Colton Cowser right now. I, you know, when 70% of the pitchers right. are right-handed pitchers, you know, starters and relievers collectively. So you're, you're basically having the, when McKenna plays, yeah, it's nice to float him in there against a left-handed starter. But once they put the right-hander in relief, you're back at having a yeah. guy that's sub, uh, you know, what you'd like to have. I think Kowser is really ready. Westberg's a little more tricky because Mateo's defense and that speed factor is still so good that uh, I'm not ready to just sort of say, okay, bring Westberg up and play him every day at short. Well, I've I've assumed if you're doing the Mateo thing that you're doing it for Ortiz. I think you and I have talked about that, that if at some point you get you get to a place where you just say it, it's – boy, it was almost – not work. Right, and I was kind of laughing about it. Like his celebration when he took a walk last night was so over the top. <laughs> like I, and it's funny because like you get it, right? Like he, it, yeah. he has been yeah. awful in this department. So like in a yeah. way, I can understand him being celebrating taking a walk, but it it was just so glaring to me in that moment, like the pressure that he is dealing with, like the what he is feeling. That, that it yep. came out just as something as simple as not swinging at a 3-1 pitch that was out of the strike zone. He was legitimately excited about it. Yep. Um, but yep. I've thought for some time, to your point, that if they decide, hey, look, we, we just we love the guy's defense, but we cannot continue to live with someone who at, you know, his, his numbers have upticked in the last two weeks, and they've upticked to a 260 on base percentage, right? Like... That yeah, yeah. If, if you get to a breaking point with it, I've always thought the answer would be Ortiz because of what you just said, that the defense is so important yeah. that they don't want to take a step back. And if the answer on Westberg, I, I think the more interesting part of the equation is are they protecting Mountcastle to be an everyday player when he returns? Because I think that's the one that is definitely, as you and I discussed last week, has become way more in focus of – can you justify continuing to run him out there every day when he's not hitting against right-handed pitching is having, you know, whatever you want to call him, un- completely non-competitive at bats. When do you reach a breaking well, point? Well, I've reached that breaking point and I think the ball club has, you know, and I look, do I know for a fact he's got vertigo or he doesn't have vertigo, right. but, but this problem superseded whether he's got vertigo or, or not right now. He didn't have vertigo three, four weeks ago when this problem became really, you know, pretty pretty much smacking us in the face. He's just on a winning baseball team. Yeah, could he play for the Oakland A's every day? Yeah, sure. Right. Uh, you know, right. but a winning baseball team, and especially when they were trying to have him as the cleanup hitter. Yep. You can't have a cleanup hitter who's got a 269 on base percentage through the first two and a half months of the season. It's just not sustainable. Now, did I predict that O'Hearn would do this well? No, but anything would have been, you know, even if uh, O'Hearn was producing 70% of what he'd been doing, uh, it would have been better than Mountcastle uh, against right-handed pitching. So I, I think Mountcastle's days as an everyday starter 
are kind of, in my estimation, are kind of done. You know, uh, I, I don't, I don't look for him just to be given the everyday first base job because he's Ryan Mount, Ryan fricking Mountcastle. Right. You know, Ryan fricking Mountcastle is a two fifty five hitter with a three hundred on base percentage through his first four seasons, and I think most most of us would agree objectively, Glenn, that his process is kind of going backwards I, now. It's not he's not getting better. He's he's striking out and walking at an alarming rate to me for a, a, somebody who would be a starting player every day in, in my lineup. We agree. We yeah. we agree. All I right. wrote the piece. I yep. wrote the piece oh, I know, about, about one player, yep. Gunner, one, paper, yeah. one person sizzling and one sizzling. Yep. And I think we know that Gunnar Henderson is the sizzler. And Ryan Mountcastle, sadly, is the fizzler right now. I think there's no doubt. I think there's absolutely no doubt yep. about it. And I, I did. It, that piece is up at PressBoxOnline.com. It's Dan wrote, and, and there's no question yep. that that's the direction those two guys are going in. Yep. Uh, all right, Stanley, as I mentioned, you're not going to be able to be in on Friday because your next couple of days are pretty busy. We have a new print issue yep. of PressBox that's hitting newsstands. You want to tell everybody about it? Well, it, the cover story is, uh, you know, uh, about Sarah, Tony Saragusa is the cover story, and I'm I'm drawing a blank now on the headline. You probably know it. Uh, I can pull it up in one second. Saragusa, remember? Yeah, I forgot. I apologize. I'll tell you. I'll tell you in two seconds what it is. Remember, remembering Goose is the headline. Remembering Goose, and it's David Ginsburg did a really nice story talking to a bunch of teammates, including Rob Burnett, Benny Thompson, um, Kyle Richardson you know, the people that were really in that locker room with him and talked about what he brought as a player uh, and as a man to the Baltimore Ravens and that first Super Bowl victory they had. Uh, but it also touches on uh, how poignant it's been for the family. It's a year since we lost Tony Saragusa, and I'm sure the Saragusa family is feeling it uh, much more than the average Baltimore Raven fan, and they're trying to keep his legacy alive. His daughter and son are working with this aviation company that Goose had formed uh, that provides called Goose Flights, which are free flights for people that need medical, you know, yep. need medical attention in some way. And they need to get from Philadelphia to, to uh, Indiana or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's a big deal for them. And these Goose Flights are sort of like Mercy Flights. And it's just a really nice, touching story. Uh, also for NFL alumni that have fallen on um, health issues, right? Yes, like, I forgot about which that. Was yep. a, which yep. I know was yep. a big part of it for uh, for Tony and for um, Kyle Richardson. And, um, yeah. and Glenn, i got to give you, I always do, I pat you on the back when you, you add something really particular. This, I, this cover story was your baby. Well, this your idea. Stan, this came from one. we. Of course, we all sat and watched um, the Boys of Baltimore, the thirty for thirty, which yeah. was which was wonderful, right? It was wonderful, and yep. as we all saw, Tony Saragusa was the star of the film. For for yep. it, Ray Lewis might have been the star of the team, right? Like it, yep. whatever, yep. but Ray, Tony Saragusa jumped off the screen during that film, and it introduced, I think, a a new generation of young Baltimore, like you know. Our, Griffin's, mm-hmm. Griffin has no idea why we care so much about Tony Saragusa. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's not a perennial pro bowler. Why did right. this city care so desperately about Tony Saragusa? And I think Bullies of Baltimore started to teach 
a younger generation of Baltimore fans why it is that we cared so much. And with that in mind, we had reached out to um, Tony's daughter after the the doc aired, and Sammy came on with us, and it was overwhelmingly our most listened-to segment of the year this year on GCR. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow. That's great. Like, this this really is that powerful. Um, and that's what yep. led to the suggestion of the idea. And, and I, I read Dave's story this week, and he did a tremendous job of, of covering both aspects of it, of why Tony was so important. Because sp- it is hard to explain. It's hard to explain that without having the accolades to back it up, without saying he was a perennial first-team All-Pro. You, you can't. Well, and it's, it's also the nuances that he filled in. He was the first guy, Baltimore football fans of the new generation, yep. you know, the Ravens versus the Colts, fell in love with him yep. the way they did Artie Donovan. Absolutely. Kind of more in, in Artie's post-career, Artie Donovan. He was a throwback to the old-time football player that Baltimore loved, fell in love with so much. And um, I, 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 the story, I had never heard, there's a story in there about I think famously everybody knows that Tony had a very small cameo on The Sopranos, but as yeah. it turns out, it was supposed to be a lot more than that. And yep. the reason why it wasn't a lot more than that is really emotional. Um, and I'm not going to give it away. I'm going to tell you to go read Dave's story, yeah. but there's a really emotional reason why his character was so small on The Sopranos. And it's it's a, yeah. te- it's a testament to him as a human. Um, yeah. That, that will... He was a funny human being. He was a character, but he had a lot of heart in a lot yep. of different ways. Yep. You know, a hundred percent. So, and then to see what San, what you know, to your point, what uh, his daughter and his son are doing to uh, continue his legacy, um, it's a really beautiful story. So we look forward to that being yep. out there this week. It'll start. It'll start making waves tomorrow, right? It'll be everywhere by Friday. Yep. Yep. Somehow, don't ask me why. I got the call at about 7.15 this morning that the truck was on the way today, and I was told it was going to be in tomorrow. So uh, I'll be moseying over there to get uh, things started. Excellent. With, uh, so distribution. by the end of the week, everywhere around town where you find Press Box, including all those Royal Farm stores, you'll be able to pick up this print issue of Press Box, uh, Remembering Goose, a great story from Dave Ginsburg right there on the cover. Everything else good with you, sir? Yep, no complaints. Looking forward to getting out to the ballpark tonight uh, and uh, and keeping these winning ways going. Man, you know? it was an electric Saturday. I'd like, was to, so... win, I'd like to win this series. I'd yeah. Like it, oh, my God. To, 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 to start you know, against a team that you're likely going to be competing with uh, for a playoff spot at the end of the year, to have taken the first four against that team this season goes a long way. There is no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. Let's keep that going. Yeah. At Stan the Fan on Twitter. Oh, and tomorrow night, remind everybody. Uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, not 7 o'clock, Gary Stein and I will have our first conversation with the uh, new director, uh, chairman of the Maryland Stadium Authority, um, Craig Thompson. Craig Thompson. Looking forward to that. Yep. 6 o'clock tomorrow night, facebook.com slash Sports is where you can see it live. If you miss it live, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you, sir. And I'm uh, yes. sorry about this Friday, but I'll be back uh, a week from uh, this Friday. Look forward right. to it. All right, man. We'll talk to you then. All right. Thank talk you, Stan. To you soon. Bye. Stan Bye. the Fan Charles, Chief Grand Poobah here at Press Box. Uh, great, really great story. I, I literally just earlier this week finally had the opportunity to read it. Um, something that we had uh, discussed, and, uh, and Dave Ginsburg really did exactly what we wanted him to do with that story of both 
diving and explaining more and then talking more about that legacy, which is the part that you didn't get in Bullies of Baltimore, which is how his family is trying to continue his legacy and the significance of that for the Sirigusas and uh, Goose Flights and what that's all about. And of course, we did have Sammy on um, this show, and it was a very moving conversation that we had with Sammy. And more of that story is told in this print issue of Pressbox. So I encourage you to go pick that up. Um, maybe it'll be there today, but by Friday, no matter where you are, in the next three days, you will be able to get that new print issue of Pressbox, um, Remembering Goose, on the cover. Yeah, I mean, you were 100% right. I mean, like, I, I know, obviously knew who Tony Saragusa was, but... It, it's it, not, it, like, and, I, and I, I make fun of people over this. This one makes sense. It's one thing when somebody doesn't know who... Well, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I would deal with it was Kyle all the time. He'd be like, how am I supposed to know Rolling Stones songs? They're from before, like, the Rolling Effing Stones. They're before my time. I know Rolling Stones songs because they're the Rolling Stones. I get it. I understand. Like, I'm defensive of, and I, it's even kind of, I, like, I think it came up in the meeting. I think we have an obligation to explain to younger people why we care so deeply about Tony Saragusa. Why do we care this much about this person? Because you can't, Wikipedia can't answer that for you. Wikipedia can't tell you why Tony Saragusa is so important. I, we, when we had Dennis Martinez on yesterday, the 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 point of it wasn't to revisit his alcoholism and what happened in 83. But when Dennis Martinez was at the ballpark on Saturday, I was like, oh, it'd be great to catch up with Dennis Martinez. I've talked to him a number of times over the years. And then I started thinking about, you know, hey, we just had John Miller on, and when John Miller was on, I wanted to talk about the 40th anniversary. Like, we are talking about 40th anniversary. And it's a little bit different for Dennis Martinez. And I don't know that you or someone else. I mean, by the way, it's you. I was, <laughs> like, a, a month old. So yeah, you remember. I don't remember <laughs> it. I know the story because I, you know, it, it was. I'm. I think that's where, when you're only a few years removed from it, and when I was watching Dennis Martinez pitch, I I watched a lot of Dennis Martinez pitching, just not in Baltimore. I watched a lot of Dennis Martinez in Montreal. I watched mm-hmm. a lot of Dennis Martinez in Cleveland. I watched a lot of Dennis Martinez. The Orioles beat Dennis Martinez in a playoff series in uh, 1996. I don't think he was on the '97 team to turn around and beat the Orioles. Um, I so the, his story would come back up because he was still pitching, and I was at an age where I was soaking up that information, and people would talk about what he had overcome in his career to have this lengthy, you know, career in which he pitched into his forties. There's no way that you, and I'm not just saying you, Griffin. I mean you, anybody of your age, you didn't watch Dennis Martinez pitch. You didn't hear the story. So I do think there are times where we have an obligation. And, you know, I I said that to him as we started talking about it. Can we retell the story for those that don't know? Um, And I and I when we when this came up, this idea of doing we actually were talking about it for the last issue, the, the pipeline issue, because it was on the heels of the 30 for 30. And I had said, I I think there was oddly a star making moment for, like there are people that don't know why Tony Saragusa is so special to us, why we think of him in a way, like a, a player. I'm trying to think of who a player comp would be. Who's someone in Baltimore that a similar run, maybe Ladarius Webb, would be a player like that. Not an All Pro caliber player, but a quality player from a football standpoint. From a community right, standpoint, right. there's no comparison. Yeah, I'm just saying from yeah, a football yeah. standpoint, somebody would say, "Why were you guys so? Obs- why would you be obsessed with Ladarius Webb?" 
Like, nice Cause, player. Because Goose was here, what, three seasons? Uh, or was it a little it was longer? Four. Okay. I think it was four that he was here for. Like a, like, Danelle Ellerby? Like, mm, better than Danelle Ellerby. More impactful okay. than Danelle Ellerby. But, you know, yeah, I mean, like, in that, it, it's that, it's of that ilk. Dennis Pitta, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you care? So It was actually five seasons. Why would you care so desperately and so deeply about this kind of okay player that was only here for five years? We got to tell you that. We have to explain that to you. We've got to talk about what Baltimore football was. You don't understand the disconnect that existed there was, between... There was no Baltimore football before. Right. Like, you, you don't get it. And, like, how that gap had to be bridged and how we needed somebody like Tony Saragusa. So we do have an obligation to share it. And I think for, for a lot of people, seeing the 30 for 30 was the first time that you understood, wow, this guy, this guy that was not an all-pro player is the star of this film is the, the, the center of this universe is Tony Siragusa. When you've got Rod Woodson Hall of Famer up on that stage and you've got Ray Lewis Hall of Famer up on that stage and you Shannon, know, Sharp. Shannon Sharp Hall of Famer up on that stage and Jonathan Ogden was on that team and you know wasn't even on the stage, right? Like, and it was a Hall of Famer. Ed Wha- Reed. Well, he was not on that team. Oh, that's it, right. Yeah, he was right. definitely not part of the forget, 2000 forget Ravens. Forgive me. I'm, sit, I'm sitting back out. All good. <laughs> All good. <laughs> like, he was definitely not on the 2000 Ravens. Um, why would this guy who wasn't even a pro bowler be the st- the star of this film? Why would that be the case? So that was what I thought, you know, was our opportunity to step in, explain it, because, again, for people of a certain age, Tony Siragusa was the Ravens. Tony Siragusa was what allowed us to fall in love with the Ravens, and so we had that opportunity to do it, and I thought it was, you know, worthy of, you know, a, a cover, and probably better as a cover after the thirty for thirty than it was would have been before the thirty for thirty, because I think the thirty for thirty gave people your age the opportunity to see it, and to 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 kind of get it, and then we could come in behind that and have a, add a little more context to it. So. Um, that'll be available in the coming days again at uh, your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find press box. All right, uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, awesome Devos replacement just hit waivers. Tommy Hunter was ah, waived yesterday by the Mets. Ah, don't uh, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. I mean, it, if Buck's not going to have Tommy Hunter, then I I think that's the end of <laughs> you the. Think run. That's the end of Tommy Hunter. Yeah. Uh, so the A's they did win Although, seven straight. I don't know how much longer Buck's going to be there. That's sad. Yeah. That's yeah. Sad. Uh, yeah. It's I not mean, his fault. You know. I mean, Scherzer's pitching terrible. I mean, not terrible. I don't know. Verlander and Scherzer have been underwhelming. Yep. Uh, anyway, so the, the A's, talk about good baseball teams, the Oakland A's, uh, they've won seven straight. Break them up. <laughs> By the way, may they keep beating the Rays. Yeah. May that continue. Um, I mean, this seven, it's all against winning teams, too. Like the Pirates, they swept the, they had two wins over the Pirates, they swept the Brewers, so and now two wins over the Rays. Uh, so they entered the streak again, as I mentioned yesterday, with a 194. Orioles back within four games of the Rays, the Ooh. AL East. Here it comes. Think about that bet. Oh, think yeah. about that bet. Yeah, now I, I think I might actually have to place that bet. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah. All right. Uh, entering the streak, as I mentioned yesterday, with a 194 winning percentage, they are now tied for the longest win streak ever by a team to enter a win streak as at a sub-200 winning percentage. They joined, okay. as I mentioned yesterday, the 1895 Louisville Colonels, and now they, oh, they no longer have the worst record in baseball. Yeah, the the Royals, yes, Royals. have the worst record in baseball. The Royals and the D- Detroit Wolverines in 1885. Ah, a lot of memories. Of At the 190, Detroit they went on a seven-game winning streak. Uh, so if they win again today, they would now have the longest winning streak by a sub 200 uh, uh, winning percentage team. Mm, how about that? Panthers uh, did lose last night. Obviously, the Heat lost on Monday night. It is the fifth time that a metro area has lost uh, to lose the NBA and NHL finals in the same year. So not, I'm not sure what the if. I guess it. Well, I mean, if this is the same year, it probably happened within the span of a week. Yes. I mean, like it yeah. normally back to back days. I'm not yeah, sure I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if it happened back to back days before. If it's happened uh, that many times, last time it happened was 2016. 2016. 2016. Hang on a second. Okay. Don't tell me. 2016 would have been a a Warriors NBA title. Warriors. No, they lost. That was when they lost the, the rap. Ca- Cavs, 2016. 2016, okay. Cavs, yeah. yeah. So the Warriors the lost. And the Sharks? Yeah, the Sharks. That's a, that's a bit know, of a stretch, right? I saw right? that one. Like, like, that's eh, a bit of a stretch. San Jose and yeah, I mean, Francisco. like, I, it's Northern California, but and, like I guess that's the only hockey team in Northern California. Yeah. But it's uh, Before that, it was stretch. 1980 in Philadelphia. The Sixers and the Flyers both okay. lost. Uh, then 1972, the Knicks and the Rangers both lost. And in 1958, the Celtics and the Bruins both lost. So the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers join those lists. Now on Sunday, Andrew McCutcheon picked up his 2,000th career hit. He became the fifth. Hold on, I want to make sure I have this right. Yeah, the fifth active player to reach the 2K hits mark. Uh, there are two other guys this season that are uh, probably going to reach as long as they stay healthy. We'll reach that mark as well this season. So I want to see if you can name the uh, six. So the top seven guys, most okay. hits essentially, active players. Uh, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz does indeed have 2,000 hits. Third most among active players. Joey Votto. Joey Votto has the second most among active players. Uh, Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is not in the hmm. top seven here. He has 18, so he's 1,824, so probably next season Goldie will join this list. Uh, I mean, are, are we counting Cabrera? Yes. Like, okay. Yes. yes. Okay. Miguel Cabrera, so 3,111, yeah. Uh, he'll catch A-Rod, I think. In the all-time hits list, I think, uh, when he hits his uh, 3,115th in the next couple of days. Freddie Freeman? Freddie Freeman will... Re- he, yes, he, he makes the my, my arbitrary cutoff. He is at... Uh, he needs eight more hits, then he'll reach 2,000. Evan Longoria. Longoria is just outside of uh, my top seven here. He has 1,907, so 93 more hits to reach 2K. Which he could do this year. I mean, he's playing a little bit kind of regularly for the D-backs. Um, but yeah, Longo. I, I would think Longo will reach the mark eventually. Um, ah, boy, now now some of these. Uh, I, uh, I don't. I mean, like, I don't think Mike Trout is there. Mike Trout is not there. No. Mike Trout has sixteen hundred. JD Martinez. JD Martinez not in the top seven. He has fifteen hundred seventy-five. In the fifteenth-ish range on this list, top twenty. Man, man. Okay. Um. Boy, boy. Arenado. Nolan Arenado not on this list. He is a couple ahead of JD Martinez. Man, who am I 
forgetting? Who's somebody that I just forget is active? Ah, <laughs> uh, ay, ay, ay. Stanton? Not John Carlos Stanton. Stanton, way down this oh, list. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Like 1,400 hits. Jesus Christ. Zimmerman's, Ryan Zimmerman's no longer he active. He is no longer correct? active. Nick Markakis is no longer active. No, he's not. Ah, ay, 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 ay. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's Machado. I don't think it's Harper. Nope, not them. Machado has sixteen hundred, sixteen forty. There's, uh, uh, no. Uh, Altuve. Altuve is top seven. Really? He has forty hit. He is forty eight hits away from two thousand. Forty eight hit. Forty eight hits away. So the other person has two thousand hits. Yes. So it's definitely somebody that I just forget is active. You forget is active. Let me know when you. I guess I'll give you his current team <laughs> hits. I mean, if I forget they're he's active, Ameri- I'm not sure. He's an American League player. <laughs> AL Central. AL Central. I, I, I <laughs> on don't. The, he's on the White Sox. He's on the White He's on the White And he has 2,000 hits, and yeah. he's on the White Sox? It's not Tim Anders. Oh, Jose Abreu? Not Jose Abreu. He's on the Astros now. Jose oh, Abreu right. has fifteen hundred. Right, Abreu I forgot about that. He's having a dreadful year. Who the hell is it? Their shortstop for the White Sox. I thought Tim Anderson was their shortstop. Well, this guy play. I guess he plays second base now. Yeah, but hopefully, well, Tim Anderson, you know, kind of is hurt a lot. All right, tell me. It is. He played for the longtime Texas Ranger. Oh, Elvis Andrews. Elvis Andrews, 2,027 hits. I did forget about One Elvis of five Andrews. active players. I, didn't realize I did not realize he had that many hits, yes. though. Even if I had remembered like he was active, I would not yeah. have guessed that he had that many so hits. So Freddie Freeman, Jose Altuve, shortly will be on this list. <sighs> not about that. All right. All right. Very good. Tubular is brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings. After placing your first $5 bet, see this and other great sportsbook offers, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Here's what's coming up totally tubular. Orioles continue the series, try to clinch the series against the Blue Jays. Kyle Bradish against Jose Barrios, first pitch just after 7 on Masson 2. Everything else basically is baseball tonight, so you can go to glennclarkradio.com and find that. Watch the A's and the Rays. Uh, that one is not on national TV. <sighs> Just about everything else. I'll uh, be watching that one. Nationals Astros is on ESPN Plus and Mass, and MLB Network's got Giants Cardinals this afternoon, Braves Tigers on MLB TV, and then a, a big night for ESPN because they get another opportunity to put the Yankees on now that uh, all their other obligations are over. <laughs> means they can put more Yankees games and more Dodgers games on TV. So it's Yankees-Mets at 7, White Sox-Dodgers at 10. Paramount Plus for the Washington Spirit and North Carolina Courage at 7.30. NBA TV, L.A. Sparks, Dallas Wings this afternoon at 1. TBS for AEW Dynamite at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? A few. Obviously, new episode of Master Chef, uh, The Wonder Years, right. Season 2, I, their reboot. I, it's, like, it's not a particularly great show, but it works for what it is. Like, it works. It's, it's a family show. It is not edgy in any way, but... It's it's not a bad show. I've watched it. I actually think I might have even finished the first season. 
Like, okay. it's fine. Okay. It's a fine show. Gets the Glenn Clark thumbs up. I mean, like, it, to, to an extent, like, I'm not, like, going out of my thumbs way. 75%. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm sitting down and watching The Wonder well, Years. Speaking tonight. of, re- well, I guess it's not a reboot. This is an actual sequel to Full Monty new series. Uh, they're bringing back, bringing back oh, Mark I, it Addy. Was, it was a movie. Yeah. It's, so, so they're, they're doing a, a sequel series. show. Yeah. Uh, on Hulu. Full Monty was a uh, like it, it was nominated for Best Picture. I want to say really? it was wow. a it was it was a really fun and it, at a time where like that type of movie could be nominated for Best Picture, um, it was just a really fun movie. I was probably too young <laughs> to have been seeing it. Uh, I don't remember what maybe it was, I was. It was ninety seven. Okay, I was yeah, fourteen was, by that point. Yeah. Like yeah, maybe I was fine. Um, it was a fun film. It was it was a it was a a, a cheeky. British fun film. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna care to watch the the full Monty series. What, what yeah. is it on? It's it's on Hulu. I mean, probably uh, new episode of Always Sunny, Temptation Island season eight premiere on USA Network. Okay. Uh, followed by The Big D. This is a new dating show. Ah, uh, The Big D, of course, divorce. They have a bunch oh. of divorced couples okay. and they're all in like the same villa or whatever, and they're making up can't, or making out. Can't with, miss that. Trying to you know hook up with sure. other divorced couples. Sure. So can't miss it. So it's weird because your divorcee is kind of working as your wingman, but also like, oh, do you still have feelings for your divorced partner? Okay. Our Planet Two. Enjoy. Our Planet Two is now out on Netflix uh, with uh, David Attenborough narrating, uh, essentially just another Planet Earth uh, documentary thing. And then the trailer for uh, Quarterback just dropped like half an hour ago it, for Netflix with Mar- starring Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Can't well, miss I, that. It, I mean, they got a good they they did a good job of like selecting quarterback. I mean, Marcus Mariota horrible season. Yeah. Um. Kirk then you Cousins, have Kirk Cousins mid and Patrick had, Mahomes Hall of Famer. Like you're getting. Yeah, I, I'd probably rather. I'd probably rather just follow good quarterbacks, but. Whatever. Marcus Mariota, a good guy. It's not. It's not for me. That's whatever. That that uh that documentary will actually come out on July twelfth. Okay. Yes. All right. Very good. Thanks today to um, Stan the fan. Me. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God! It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we will catch up with Matt Swope. Yeah, new Maryland baseball coach Matt Swope will join us tomorrow. And we will be to going that. to Bowie. We sure? Yes. Justin Arm Brewster will join us. Ah, he's had a nice season, yes. Justin Arm Brewster. We will t- uh, catch up with him. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including uh, Baltimore Orioles, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, All-American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks.